Warning, the Dub Talk podcast contains language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Also, be prepared for spoilers for the entirety of the Fruits Basket anime, as well as the manga. If you have not seen or read the series, please come back to this episode later. Unless you don't really care about spoilers, that's cool too. Finally, the opinions expressed are those of today's participants and do not reflect Dub Talk as a whole. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the dulcet tones of Miss Meredith McCoy as today's Dub Talk Classics episode begins. I was so happy when you smiled. Your smile breaks through the clouds of gray. Far from the sunny days that lie in sleep. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Dub Talk Classics. No, seriously. Welcome to Dub Talk Classics, a show where a group of friends gets together and reviews a classic anime dub that has shaped the industry or how we view anime. Uh, my name is Megan, and tonight, uh, welcome to the first original Goats Dub Talk Classic episode. Woo-woo! And, and only really because we didn't get to call dibs on any summer stuff. <laughs> Yeah, really. So we needed to do something. Yeah, we didn't have we summer shows were few and far between in interest, and there and frankly, summer season isn't as viable as we thought it was gonna be. I mean, summer is generally not the best season for anime. Usually, it's winter or fall. So, uh, so yeah. speaking of the four seasons, tonight we ask you to gather around and celebrate because. It's time to have a birthday party. Woo! Happy birthday! Who's wait, wait, wait? Hold on, hold on. Oh wait, whose birth? Hold it, hold it. Whose birthday is it? It is the 16th anniversary of the debut of the anime Fruits Basket. Ah, okay. Yes, it's, it's actually le- it, 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 the anime can legally drive now. <laughs> In certain states. <laughs> In certain states, it can also fuck, but we don't oh, talk wow. about that. No. <laughs> we're not talking about, about that. that. No. no, we're not the, not the time of place. But no, uh, but no. Tonight, if uh, the rest of us didn't all feel old, uh, oh boy, some of you who probably watched this weren't born yet, and that terrifies me. <laughs> that is a very scary thought when you say that. <laughs> Uh, kill me. We're all farts. <laughs> we're old we're, goats. We're OG, old, OG um, now old stands goats. for old goats. Yes. <laughs> Get off my lawn, you kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Back in my day, we had to munch cans two ways up at the padding zoo. <laughs> and we liked it. Friday, you could headbutt a kid in the nuts and no one gave a shit. Oh my god. Anyways. Before we get yeah. too off track, tonight yeah. we are talking about Fruits Basket, probably the gateway shoujo drug of choice for many early 2000s anime fans. If you've not watched it, uh, here is a quick summary. Tora Honda is a 16-year-old orphan girl. After losing her mom, decides to live in the tent in the woods out of consideration of her family and friends as her grandfather's house is renovated. 
She happens one day upon the house with a bunch of Zodiac figurines and meets a man named Shigure. However, not everything in the house as it seems as her very handsome classmate Yukisoma appears. However, one night after her tent is destroyed in a landslide and she is invited to live in the Soma household as their maid. Along the way, she also gets introduced to Kiyosoma and learns that the family is cursed to turn into the animals of the Chinese Zodiac and the cat when hugged by the members of the opposite sex. Every day is an adventure for sweet Toru as she gets to know everyone in the larger family, especially Yuki and Kiyo, in both common and bizarre situations. However, the Soma family curse is certainly no laughing matter as it holds horrible cruelty and heartbreak. Uh, if you have never watched this show, prepare for the feels express because your sides will hurt and your face yeah. will sting. <laughs> yeah. But th it's going to be very interesting um, because <laughs> kind of remind people how classics episodes tend to work um, is the host has the most knowledge or experience with the show, that being Megan. And then my baby. The people jumping on board to help out. They may not have a lot of knowledge. They may not have seen the show before. So that's where we come in. And um, Hardy, yes. you just finished the show for the first time like an hour ago, right? I literally just finished it. Yeah, today. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. so I, mean, I started it several years ago. I only made it past through the, like, the first six episodes. And then they decided, you guys decided you want to do this episode. So I had to marathon the, the rest of it basically this week. It is not an easy show to marathon because it tends to be a bit on the slow, dramatical side. So watching yeah. it one after the other is kind of difficult to do. So this is this is the type of this is the type of show to where you watch like one episode a day or one episode every now and then. You don't just marathon it all the way through. So Unless you're was, crazy like me and actually enjoyed the process of marathoning through it. Uh, for the record, I found this show in the eighth grade, which was two thousand in. No, 2006. Um, I found this show... Because it, it, cause like Megan said, it is like the shoujo gateway of anything. Shoujo this gateway was... jug of choice. Hey, kids. <laughs> yeah, Down here, was... all we have is Fruits Basket, Pennywise the Clown. God damn it. <laughs> Relevant. Um, no, I, I watched this show the first time when I was in high school. I think it was... I think 2005-2006 when I was either a freshman or sophomore and it was kind of around this time when I was actually really slowly discovering what anime actually was yes. and that it wasn't just like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Digimon and all that so it was one of the first show, like longer shows that I actually sought out and watched and watched the entire thing so. and yeah this is a very heavy show at points um, and the manga is no different um, the manga is complete, and it does go beyond what the anime is. Uh, thankfully, it was originally licensed by Tokyo Pop, but as we all know, Tokyo Pop is the devil and went under. Uh, but luckily, Yen Press has re-released all of it on these beautiful collector's editions, and there's only 12 volumes of it. I believe the I believe it's two in every one volume, so it's a 24 volume manga. Um, and there are some differences from the anime to the manga, which I will point out at points. Uh, because one of the things is, if this show is in this day and age, because everything in its mom is getting a sequel or a reboot, um, there would be some voices that would need to be changed. 
due to certain circumstances, uh, but we'll get we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But for now, let's cross over into the technical meat of the show with the show's director and its scriptwriter. Um, obviously, with a classics episode, there are no predictions. We are going by what the cast was at the time. So our director is going to be Justin, producer of everything at Funimation Cook, <laughs> and John, head writer of everything at Funimation Bergmeier. Um, oh, the places we start from, because this is because First Basket is probably one of the early Funimation dubs that they had. Yeah, it, it came out around the same time that they were doing things like Blue Gender, and and uh, I think not. I think Spiral came a little bit later. But yeah, no, yeah. Yu Yu Hakusho, Yu Yu Hakusho and You're Blue also going to see another right. show pop up a lot for some of the actors, and that show is going to be Kitty Grade. Mm. Oh, true. Hardy's going to, Hardy, Hardy makes a groan like, oh God, no, not Kitty Grade. <laughs> <sighs> no, but, and I think this is, this is definitely before like the FMAs and Orans and all that stuff. Yeah, That's FMA, FMA is going to be coming out after, uh, yeah. yeah, probably after yeah. this. But to go over some of the, series that Justin Cook has directed. He did direct the dub of Kitty Grade. He also did the dub direction for Mass Effect Paragon Lost, as oh, well as well as Yu Yu Hakusho Ghost Files. John Bergmeier, to go over stuff he has specifically been the scriptwriter on, he did Beck Mongolian, Beck Mongolian, not Mongolian. <laughs> the fuck's a Mongolian? I don't know. <laughs> no. Are you Mongolians? Damn you, you Mongolians and your chop squatting. Um, he did all of the Evangelion reboot films. Rebuild films, not reboot, rebuild. But that being 1.0, 2.0, and 3.33. You know that show that was never, that movie that never was going to come out. And then it did. And everyone's like, well, now what the fuck do we wait for? <laughs> the white uh, whale. The white whale. Yar, she blows. <laughs> and then he also did the head writing of Origin Spirits of the Past. Okay. So, how do we feel about Justin's directing and John's script writing? It is a product of its time. Um, you can definitely tell this is one of the early, early, early Funimation dubs. And uh, you can definitely tell that some of the performances aren't as strong as more recent work. Um I think fun, this was the point where Funny was still, still trying to get their feet wet in the uh, in the dubbing industry. They they really hadn't had much experience uh, before, and so it's it is a product of its time. It's strong in certain areas, but it's also very weak in certain parts. Um, as my main big con my main big groan was that a lot of the names were mispronounced, whether that was intentional or whether they just did it so that because they thought it was the cool thing to do. I don't know. Um, writing wise, it's fine. I didn't really notice any major uh, flaws in the writing. Um, but yeah, it's 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 very very strongly a product of its time. I can I can agree with some of what you just said. I mean, of course, to be fair, this dub probably came out close to the mid two thousands originally, and. There are parts of it that can seem kind of dated and make it a part of its time, but however, because um, you said that you didn't really find any glaring flaws in the writing, the writing, I really enjoyed the writing on the show, and I know I've had issues in the past with other shows where I tend to have the concern 
of specific terminology and slang being used from like this day and age, not translating several years down the line for people. Right. And the fact that with Fruits Basket and the writing is pretty faithful and kind of sticks to the content and the context of everything going on. Um, I think it's very strong in that department. Uh, I did, there were quite a few fun jokes and I did, um, write down a couple notes on some of them. Like, for example, uh, when, uh, Shigure calls, uh, uh, Shigure is, like, um, kind of lecturing Kyo, and he's referring misdirected, like, the line misdirected rage, or what's called being an ass. It's, we like, just witnessed what I'd like to call misdirecting names. I believe the technical term is being an ass. ass. It's like little things like that. And I just get a complete kick out of and out of the comedic performance really is on Shigure. And when we get to Shigure, I would imagine that was the best time that John Bergmeier wrote for a character. Just um, <laughs> one of my favorite moments. Please put your hands up like this. Put your head down. Any tips for the poor beggar girl? <laughs> His torment of May is... High school girls. One, two, three. High school girls. But um, in terms of the directing on that end of Justin Cook, cons- what, can, taking into consideration that this is a very early Funimation dub and there's not really a huge talent pool at the time, I enjoy the casting for what it is. Watching it now, there are some roles and some performances that could have been better. But given that this show itself is 16 years old, the dub is probably 13, 14 years old. If we had to um, guesstimate when the dub was originally recorded and released, um, I think the dub is is pretty solid on all fronts. Um, minus a few performances here and there that obviously early early sh- early dub for the for Funimation it can be a product of its time but I really I still think it's really solid in general as long as you take into consideration that this is an early dub from Funimation so yeah and I'll agree with a lot of those points uh, another really funny moment is uh, I think it's when they go to the the uh, lake house mm-hmm. and Shigure uh offers to call Ayame and in the Japanese it goes call him and we'll send you to hell and the English is if you do that I'll make you eat the phone (laughs) um Yuki does not like his brother (laughs) to be fair if I was Yuki I would also not like my own brother to which I believe he also asked Shigure to uh barbecue his bastard brother when he's a snake yes Um, (laughs) here here Cook this up and eat this. Eat this. You hungry? Eat it. He's just holding holding a snake in his hands, which... It's great. If you eat snake, all the more power to you. But when most people say they eat a snake, they don't think that way. Um, Oh. Well, then. Anyway. Oh, come on. It's what Ayama does. (laughs) (laughs) At least his customers do. Uh, I do certain things. But, um... One of the things I really do compliment the show about is how strong the writing is. Because there are very few slaying pop cultural references. I think there's one that they call Jason a bear. Yes. And Kyo thinks that Jason's a bear. But I actually think that is in the manga. um, That they make a Friday the 13th joke themselves. Which is really weird to say about a 16-year-old show when there are some shows that come out today that we complain about the writing on. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if, if, if the extent of a bear named Jason is, like, the biggest problem you might have, have then, then it is I a mean, drop in the ocean of angry, pissed-off sub-elitist. Um, I mean, because some people will probably just let... Some people probably that joke would just go over the heads if they haven't seen like Friday the Thirteenth. And then there, before. and then there are people who literally are like sharks waiting for a certain person's yes. name that starts either well, with no, a T no, or a J to dip their toe in the pool, and then they eat them alive. And um, then you also have some people like me. I will admit, I got a chuckle out of it. I forgot that the bear that they were talking about was named Jason. <laughs> I was like, that whole oh, that yeah. whole sequence is just terrible. <laughs> it it kind of got, got a little chuckle out at of each me. other. Oh, Willow, look at you calling your stupid little rat friends. I did not call them here. They came here of their own accord. Just a bunch of little rats are up on, like, the, the branch. And he's just like, I don't get paid enough for this. Um, <laughs> he's like, I will say this, though. There shit. are some little technical things I did notice. Um, and I didn't know if this was a, a streaming thing. Um, but sometimes the music was super loud in the show and it was over the mm. voicing. Okay. Um, yeah. And then there were sometimes I feel like, where certain characters talked really fast. Other than that, I think they, and like I said, there are some performances that are maybe a little bit weaker these days, or they wouldn't really pass, or if, God forbid, again, if they remade the show, thing, certain character, certain people, are things have changed, yada yada yada, but I think that for a 16-year-old show, you could put this dub on, and it would be perfectly serviceable. Um, and I also think this is one of the first shows that wasn't some sort of action show. Right. Like, yeah, this was not things so. punch and you scream the show. Yeah, or you know, sci-fi, or yeah. anything. This was a, a drama com a, a dramedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. This was not like at the end of the day, Sean Shummel's going to come in here, scream his Goku for like three straight fucking episodes, <laughs> and, everything's, and everything's going to be like ha 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 ha. In which there's yeah. a lot of there's certain characters Ritsu who scream their freaking heads off and stuff. <laughs> there are also characters oh, who poor Ritsu. <sighs> But there's also characters who who are very quiet and soft-spoken, and there are a lot of times where the show doesn't have talking at all, and it's smaller noises and grunts, and the scene work speaks for itself, and we'll get to that character later. Uh, But from there, is everybody good moving on from director and writer? Sure. I would say so, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're going to move into our first set of characters, and they are both side characters in this show. That being Kazuma Soma and Kyoko Honda. Kazuma Soma shows up in the last three episodes of the show and is Kyo's um, karate master slash adopted father who took Kyo in after the death of his mother and his father's, his own biological father's subsequent rejection of his son for being cursed as a cat. And Kyoko Honda is Toru Honda's mother who passes away via a car accident before the series starts and she essentially comes in through Toru's memories to be a kind of source of light and inspiration to her her life and the source of Toru's own endless kindness to be nice. So Kazuma Soma is played by Damian Clark Mm -hmm. and Kyoko Honda is played by Miss Julie Mayfield. Damien Clark was Scar in the original Full Metal Alchemist series. He was Cell in Dragon Ball Z, in Hillshire in Gunslinger Girl. Ju- Julie Mayfield was Isohime in Kamisama Kiss, Dr. Kureha in One Piece, and she was the landlady in Chin Chan. So, 
how do we feel about these uh, performances? Um, I gotta, I gotta find when else these people have been in because I, I don't really remember. I don't. I've never watched Spongebob Girl or Dragon Ball Z, so the only thing I know Damien Clark in is Scar trying to murder Vic Mignogna for like X amount of episodes and then dying. Same, and it's been a long time since I've seen. But, um, it's been a few years. <laughs> I think, as far as the characters are concerned, in Cosima's case, he's not in there very much. Yeah. And so you really can't judge Damien's performance uh, on the full scale because his character really doesn't have much to say, except for the last three episodes. Um, right. But it sounds fine. Uh, I always th- thought that Damien was one of the stronger actors from early Funimation. And uh, it, I don't have any complaints. As far as Kyoko goes, I heard someone once say that she reminded them almost like like Holly Hunter, I believe. No, it's it sounds okay. I don't really have any complaints for those two. Oh, fun fact. Julie is also Ritsu's mother. Yes, the hostess of the hot springs. springs. I just realized. I just learned this. I'm like, oh. She's a couple of people in the show. There are a couple people who are multiple characters in the show. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big thing back in the early Funimation days, especially when you especially with Dragon Ball with Chris Sabat playing like eight different people. (laughs) Like everybody in the kitchen sink. Yeah. (laughs) He's everyone. Mm -hmm. I will say this though, it was actually uh, a scene with Cosimo was the first time I actually cried upon rewatching the show. Mm. Um, and that was when uh, he, um, it was right after the funeral for okay. Kyo's mom. And if, I hate, we put a spoiler warning here, is if you've never read the manga, and I know, I don't know if you guys caught the implications of this in the show, but Kyo's mom actually does commit suicide. Oh. Um, fun fact, Kyo's mom is also played by Wendy Powell. Ah, yes. Um, but Kyo's mom commits suicide. And it's very, very much, if you've read the manga, for a very long time, Kyo actually does believe it is his fault that he killed her. Mm-hmm. That he did kill her. You later find out that uh, his dad is not the greatest human, as are most of the parents in the series. Right. Um, to which his dad said it was her fault that you ever came out of her. And he essentially did emotionally traumatize her as well, making her believe it was her fault for giving birth to the cursed child with the cat. Um, mm-hmm. So in this scene, Cosmo and Kyo are walking and these women are commenting that he is so young to take on this kid. And he just picks up Kyo, doesn't really say much, and just holds him up high. And that is the moment that my tears just started going. Mm-hmm. I, my, mine kind of started going during the funeral scene. Then kept going. Oh yeah, because like, halfway through the and halfway through the next episode, <laughs> episode it yeah. would stop. Here's the thing: the <laughs> goes for the gut. It does not hold back. No, it doesn't. Like this show is like, no, fuck you, sit down. Um, it's like get your tissues, get your shut tissues, up and sit watch your ass this. down. Hold my uh, beer and watch it, this. <laughs> hold my beer and watch this has never led to a good thing. Um, <laughs> no, unless you're that guy who swam across the Hoover Dam and didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> That's an actual thing that happened. This I week. know. We I know. know this. What? I'll send you this afterwards. Oh but no, God. like as somebody, by the way, is also adopted, that scene does touch me in places and it makes me cry. 
Uh, but I enjoyed Damien's Clark for how small it was because for how how little he's on screen in those flashbacks, he's got a lot of really heavy stuff to do because he triggers the the kind of final arc of the show, going through what Keo's true form is and his trauma dealing with the death of his mother and his view on Totoro. Um, and in the same way, that's I also really do like Julie Mayfield as Kyoko Honda because she is funny and witty. Like, she kind of sounds like the, the cool mom on the block. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, she used to run with a gang back in the day. Yeah, she was a Yankee. That was a thing. That was a thing. She actually, like, beats up Arisa's old gang to get her out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Kyoko yeah, Honda was I, a fucking I remember, badass. I remember when I was in high school and after I saw the show, when my friends had, um, at least the first few volumes of the manga to let me borrow it and read it. I remember reading that that scene specifically where Kyoko beats up this gang to get Uatani out of there. And I'm like, dude, this mom is a badass. Mom of the anime mom. Like, she's in the pantheon of good anime moms with, like, Deku's mom for my hero. Yes. Um, But I I enjoy the performance, even with how small it is. Um just because it is really heartwarming and it feels like your own mom kind of talking to you a little bit. Um, if they ever did remake the series, she I, w- I do kind of hope she comes back to play at least the older version of her. Don't know much about the younger version because there are flashbacks to Kyoko's middle, uh, middle school days and early high school days when she first has Toru. Um, but I think the performances are solid enough as they are. Mm-hmm. My big problem is they weren't too memorable. Like I, yeah. I just finished the show again yesterday, and I barely remember either one. That's that's a little bit of a problem. But um, I mean to be fair uh, to them, Julie, considering she has more moments, she's she is very supportive. She does have a lot of insight despite th- despite not like because she never graduated high school she never got into college she ran with a gang she became a single parent after Toro's dad died when she was rather young so there's a lot of things that um, Kyoko goes through and you can you can tell she's still putting on a smile through all of it but it's compared to some of the other performances in the show it's not memorable same with Damon Clark's uh, Cosma, especially same with Damon Clark's Cosma, because he was only in like three episodes. And he did have a good amount of impact when it came to Keo and his story, and you can tell that he did rather well with those moments. But at the same time, Cosma, I think, was one of those performances where think the performance might be a little bit dated. It's not phenomenal by today's standards, but again, going back to if this was the early days when the show was originally released, I think it was I think it would be, people would think it's a phenomenal performance, but like if you look at it now, it's not one of my favorites, and it could have gone probably a lot better um, if we're talking today's standards, but both these both these characters, they're good performances, but they're not memorable to me. 
That's my problem. And considering that some of the Somas are only in a single episode and yet are mo- yeah. some of the more memorable characters. Yes. Yeah, which yes. we will get to. So. Especially the next one. I said the name and Hardy was already like, oh god. <laughs> Especially the next three because one oh. of them one of them steals the show in at least Stefan Mind's opinion if our text messages mean anything. And one of them has literally, like, most people are like, what is one of the saddest anime episodes you've ever watched? And Mm -hmm. it's their debut. Are we ready to move on to these three characters? Yes. Mm -hmm. So moving on, we have the first three Zodiac members that we're going to talk about. They are Ritsu Soma, the monkey who is, who basically screams and cross-dresses. Yes. It's about the best explanation of their character. But they are the um, daughter, the son, I'm sorry, of the Hot Springs lady who um, essentially cross-dresses because they feel more comfortable. But it may have been born out of the fact that their parents seem to always be apologizing for their child. Uh, Next up is Kisa Soma, the tiger, whose introduction episode has... Oh, God. Oh, God. I don't want to fucking cry right now. Kids are assholes, ladies and gentlemen. People, People are assholes. Um, People are assholes, but little kids can be especially... Especially mm. middle school kids. Middle schoolers are awful. I'm sorry. As somebody who was bullied for most of her school life, fuck other kids. And perfect segue, because Kisa's introduction is basically she's being bullied by her classmates. And she's lost the ability to talk and runs away from home. But she meets Toru and starts uh, turning around and learns how to believe in herself again. Not only from Toru, but from also other members of her family. And the other member of this group <laughs> is uh, Captain Snarky Pants, aka Hiro Soma, who is my personal zodiac animal, the sheep, who is a snarky, sassy mouthed middle schooler who oh. thinks he is a coward for his inability to protect Kisa from not only being hurt at middle school, but at home yep. because of his love for her. And he's also kind of a little douchebag. Um, so, I'm sorry, Hero, Hero makes me so happy. And Hero is, we'll uh, get, we'll bring no it offense, Hero Soma is best boy. <laughs> Ritsu Soma is played by Mike McFarland, who has also played characters like Ronko Fujioka from Oran High School Host Club. Kotoro Aman from Tokyo Ghoul and Jan Kirstein in Attack on Titan. Kisa Soma is played by Kate Bristol, who was, I believe, 11 years old when she recorded the show. Mm-hmm. Well, what? Yeah. She was she was a I little girl. This was her first anime that. role. I did not know she was 11 at the time. She was I 11 mean, years old. I mean, when we get to Hero, I mean, I understand that, but I didn't know Kisa yes. was 11 at the time. She's also the voice of younger, uh, younger Kiyo Soma. Mm-hmm. Okay. I believe she's either younger Kiyo or younger Yuki. I think she's actually younger Yuki. I'm. I'm, I'm uh, no, I've got it up. I've got it up. Don't worry. Uh, she's the babby version of Yuki. Yeah, she's also the younger version of Yuki. And then you have Hirosoma played by, in his anime debut, Aaron Dismuke. That's right, everybody. Aaron Dismuke. Mm-hmm. Who also plays Alphonse Elric in the original Full Metal Alchemist, Leonardo Watch in Blood Blockade Battlefront, and Ian Fortunata in Trinity Blood 
He was also the younger version of Akito in Fruits Basket. Uh, so, this is actually probably one of my favorite segments because we will never get to talk about Kate Bristol again. Probably uh, not. not. Uh, actually, she's in Pokemon now. Yes, she she does do Pokemon now. Yeah, she moved out of uh, the Texas area, and she does a lot of voices for Pokemon now. She's also in theater, that's Mm. why. She does theater in New York. That explains it. Um, I I, I have to start this off by saying, if this isn't the birth of snarky Aaron Disney, I don't know what is. Because we've seen seen plenty of characters at this, like, recently. But Hero Summer is the root of all evil. And this is the root of it. Oh my god, Aaron's such a little babby and it's fucking And here's the thing, it it actually holds up really well because he is a little bag of shit. It does, actually. And here's the thing, he sounds completely, his voice, his tone sounds different because Aaron Dismuke's voice is very distinct. Yeah. But even when he's little Akito, he has that like, disgust, holier than thou tone to him. But when and he does it with Hero, but it's different. Though my first, my favorite kind of interaction with him is when Kyo finds him. He's like, "What are you doing here? What do I have to have permission to sit here?" It's like, do, do I have to tell you everything? Do I have to tell you everything what I'm doing? I'm gonna hit you, and I'm gonna call the police and say you're a child abuser. <laughs> <laughs> again, if again, if this shit. is not the birth of snarky Aaron Disney characters, I don't know what is. Hardy, mm. how do you feel about Snarky Aaron, baby? Um, I liked it for the most part. I am kind of, um, I do sort of am kind of tough on Aaron's earlier work. Uh, that in- does include Full Metal. I think he sort of perfected himself over the course of Full Metal. He got a whole lot better. Yeah. Um, but I mean, a lot of it sounds like line reading, but you know, you could definitely tell that there was something there at the very beginning. And uh, so I liked it for the most part. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. especially like the writing when it comes to Hero because he is so snappy. It's great. He has yeah. the, the writing makes him so snarky and witty. It's so hilarious. I love it. And the thing, too, is when you watch that episode, you kind of really feel for this kid, too, because yeah. all he did was tell the head of his family that he liked a little another little girl, even if they might... Okay, welcome to Fruits Basket. They're fucking their cousins. But, um... <laughs> there's... I'm sorry. There's no way to avoid this subject. They're fa- it, it's in the family. Welcome to Alabama. Roll yep. Tide. Yep. And now I've yes. offended everybody in the state of Alabama. Um, way to go. Alabama, Japan. Oh, my God. Welcome to Alabama, where Ancestry.com and Match.com are one and the same. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that no. is my favorite joke ever. Oh, um, no. But... He just, and then he has to watch, all of a sudden he's in the hall just talking with her. Just watch Akito throw Kisa like a freaking sag of potatoes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's a part of the manga. He beat Kisa to a pulp. We're, Akito is a bad person. Yeah, we're going to get back to Akito in a little bit because I have words to say about him as well. Oh, Lord. But so. um, I like that he's kind of very loud and brash, especially opposed to... Kate Bristol's Kisa, mm-hmm. who again, she was a little girl, and I think she really got the cute, like, very quiet child out of her, even for a little girl. Right. Well, right. the thing is with Kate's performance is that most of her episodes, she says nothing because that's sort of Kisa's entire backstory. And well, so, and in I the. I think it, it only took 
one episode, really. Yeah. Yeah, because she comes her. back a couple of times. And she's also younger Yuki. Yeah. And younger Yuki has some moments, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so I, it's kind of hard to judge because even in both of the episodes that she's in, she really doesn't speak much. And um, and so it's it's kind of hard to actually have it have a real... I will say she is actually a fantastic actress. Um, I own both. Se- I own one season of Nagi Man, and I do own the first season of Strike Witches. And her growth as an actress is seen in both that and especially as Lynette in Strike Witches, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah. uh, as kind of like the second lead against. I believe she's one of the bigger characters. I think against like Kira Vincent Davis and like Jeremy. Yeah, Damn, no, in, okay. in Strike Witches, yeah, she's like the second female lead. Um, yeah, she's like third female lead. Oh right, Davis right. And I also, I, I also Anastasia thought she Malia's was really. One. I thought she was really good as the class rep in My Bride Is a Mermaid. As I was well. gonna put that on there too, but I didn't know if the class rep was like a small character or not. She has her moments, actually. So it's it's not. We're right talking right about to, that show. At, at this point, we're talking about shows I've never seen before. So I'm just gonna sit here. Mm-hmm. And pleasantly play with my phone and look at Twitter. Anyway, <laughs> you no. Discuss. My point is, you know, it's it's kind of hard to have a real opinion about the performance in Fruits Basket because the character really doesn't say very much, but she's good at, at the scenes that she's in. Yeah. So yeah. I will say though, I also appreciate that for the two youngest characters in the show, they actually use child actors for this. Yes. Like, right. They don't really do as much these days. And I will say this though, if the show obviously gets remade or continues onward, Aaron's not going to be able to continue as hero, obviously, and he would need to be replaced as he went through puberty. And unfortunately, in boys, it means you get a little deeper. Um, which is why I put Eon on there. If you've never seen Trinity Blood, you will get to see Aaron Disney go through puberty in real time. Yes. Oh, yeah. That, that, <laughs> that, is, that, is, it, that performance in itself. That show is to be seen just for that. So I would see somebody like maybe pot- potentially a Terry Doty stepping in or... Um, uh, stepping in for who? Uh, stepping in for Aaron to reprise okay. his hero. Yeah. Or even maybe like probably Afia. Afia would actually be a really good choice. I mean, if people complain about, like, it not being Aaron Disney, I mean, there's Maxie Whitehead. Yes, Maxie Whitehead would be really good. Also, be Aaron could be another character later on, preferably one of the guys in the student council that comes in the second part of the manga, who's the first year. But, um, I mentioned this name before and already let out an audible groan. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> too. No offense. It is Mike McFarling's screeching hour. Yes. I do not. I do not like this character. I mean, I do here, not like him at all. Here's the thing. It's Ugh. like it's like we take Bronca from Oron. And then and turn like, it up to 11. Turn it up to 11. You knew exactly where I was going with this. It's like, dial it up to 11. It's, dear sweet lord. I I, I imagine that after he recorded his that episode and his lines and scenes and everything, that Mike had to like go on vocal rest for like two fucking weeks or something. Cause that, and here's the uh, thing too. At this point, he had. Uh, this is probably one of the first characters like this for him. Because yeah. I would imagine the only other character he's really been playing at that point is um master roshi master roshi old yep. man the old man and the turtle um who clearly does not sound like ritu at all no um, no not one no, not one not bit even yeah i actually ritu's character is weird and i don't remember them being that developed in the manga either unfortunately um though there is when i bring up another character later ritu does deliver one of my favorite lines in 
probably the latter half of the manga that made me laugh, like, unconditionally hard. Um, but even, I, the one thing I did like is when Ritsu wasn't screeching, he does sound, he has this kind of really great moment towards the end of the show where he talks about, um, not having that much confidence in himself. In himself, because right. of his parents always apologizing for him cross-dressing and how he did find comfort in it. Um, well, I don't think it was just that. It was, from the story, from what we find out, Ritsu isn't exactly good at anything. Yeah, Ritsu kind of sucks at everything. Compared to the other members of the Zodiac, where they have their own kind of, their own special talents. And, and are they're hot. Just, they're <laughs> and are, like, like unconditionally fucking attractive. Ritsu kind of is just, like... There. Seeing, see, yeah, there, and seeing, quote unquote, not necessarily as the bad apple of the bunch, because he's not a terrible He's person. just kind of jack of all, master of none. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Not even. And with those serious moments, that's why I made the comparison of of um, Ranka from Oram, because you can hear a similar vocal tone when Mike goes into the There's serious actually moments. a, um, does anybody remember back in the day? When Funimation used to have their web show with that one guy and Todd Haberkorn. What? It was really long time ago. And that one show and Todd Haberkorn. Which the Funimation show. I remember the Funimation show, but I don't remember oh. Todd hosting it. Yeah, Todd used to be on it. It was that one guy with that. the glasses and then Todd sometimes. But one of the things they did one time was they asked if you wanted to ask a voice actor a question. So me, in my infinite smart-assness, oh, asked, no. Hey, Meg McFarlane, why do you keep getting dressed as cross-dressed as cross-dressers? <sighs> and he reads it, and his voice gets slowly deep, and then in the background, whoever the booth just fucking loses it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that Kate and Aaron did a really good job. Mike... Mike is I think the odd the character more than Mike, but yes, Mike I, doesn't stop. He does screech a lot. I th the, yeah, I think it's more the it is more mostly the fault of the character because the yeah. other big thing too is um, if Ritsu is any indication of like screeching and all that and that stuff, Julie had to do the same thing as the spa hostess. Right, and so did um, whoever played poor Sugar Ace. <laughs> editor <laughs> no, yeah. I no that's I, 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 I no i like everyone knows i like um mike mcfarland a whole lot as an actor but this particular role just irritated the stuffing out of me i just i i do not like this character i, I did not like that episode at all it just ugh. i mean i will admit because there's the whole genial thing in mom and the, and Ritsu I mean I can tell they're related that's so easy to tell but I just yeah. like how Tori is like oh you're, you're Ritsu right you're but, a guy <laughs> uh, as much as I love Mike McFarlane and some of the other roles in work he's done this isn't probably one of the first ones I would talk about when you ask yeah. me about like notable Mike McFarlane roles right yeah and uh yeah, and just a fun fact before we move on. He actually gets together with Sugar Ray's editor. Really? Really? Yes, in the, yep, Damn, in the manga okay. he gets together with me, nice. who is played by Cynthia Kranz. Nice. That's right. 
Master Roshi and Chi Chi hook up. <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> I threw oh, Dragon Ball for everybody. Don't well, at least Goku. he'd be a better husband than Goku. Ooh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure a girl's vibrator would be a better husband. Than Goku. <laughs> 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 fuck you, fight me. No. Speaking of fuck you, fight me. Uh, let's move on to Hataharu, Ayame, Momiji, and Kagura. Oh, Lord. Oh, oh boy. <sighs> this is the, the, the fun ones. Oh, I, know Hardy, I know who Hardy already has a problem with. Um, <laughs> so, to go over the characters, I, uh, Ayame, or Ayame, is the Zodiac Snake, as we've mentioned, and he is also Yuki's older brother who is a flamboyant piece of shit who's overly dramatic <laughs> and runs and runs a a shop I think they describe it Hatsahar uh, describes it as a shop where he where dreams come true where in fact he runs a men's lingerie store yes. and makes fetish clothing <laughs> along with a girl named Mine who if you have to ask yes they hook up at the end Ayame is oh. not actually mm. gay Plot mm. twist of the century. Oh my god. Uh, then there is Kagura, who is the Zodiac boar and a fucking Yandere. She was <laughs> obsessed with marrying Kyo to the point where, as a child, she held a rock over his head and threatened to murder him. Mm. However, her love may not be all what it seems and may be joined from a sense of pity over Kyo's status as the cat and something mm. relating to his beads on his wrist. Hataharu is the Zodiac Ox who claims his first love was Yuki Soma after he met him one day and yelled at him and got all of his feelings out because parent, all the adults thought he was stupid for being the cow and letting the rat trick him. His thing is that he looks like a bad boy, but he's only a first year in middle school and he's got a split personality called Black Haru who will wreck a motherfucker faster than anyone can blink. He'll wreck a motherfucker and... Oh my god. We're getting will, to that scene. He will give you the sex. He'll give you the sex. And he the won't sex give you the sex, but he'll show long. you that it's all natural. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which, if you didn't damn. laugh at that scene, you're a fucking liar. <laughs> Just th that whole sequence. He didn't. Oh my god, he did. No. The context. Shots of the, the smuggest look on his face. The context. Toru, how did he do it? I'll show you anytime. And they're like, no. No, literally the context is um, on the he drops first day of the new term. Um, Haru Kyle Haybear doesn't Momiji, believe that his hair is black and white. For Haru and Momiji, it's their first day of high school, and the student council president. He's Kyle um, Haybear. He's he's calling he's calling Momiji out for dressing in a girl's uniform, and he's Haru also calling snaps. Haru out for having different colored hair when it is his natural hair. Because and he's a fucking cow. The, the <laughs> The president is like, there's no way you can convince me that that is your natural Takes hair him, color. Takes him, drags him into men's room, yeah, closes the door, a couple seconds, point, opens the door. At this point, it's Black Haru. All Black Haru. Drags him in the men's room. They, you see them gone for like two seconds. They come out. And uh, the president's like, president's like, that is a very convincing argument. And he's like, ugh. And then Yuki and Kyo kind of realize that he showed his pubes. Um, yes. And then, uh, Momiji Soma is the happy-go-lucky Zodiac rabbit who actually has a heart of gold and trauma as deep as the Mariana Trench. <laughs> Holy Jesus. Um, 
Yeah, fun fact, actually. I actually, in high school, for my senior graduating quote, used one of the quotes from his speech about memories. Really? Yep. Nice. Hmm. That was my high school yearbook quote, was uh, about memories that you don't want to forget. Um, but to go over the actors who played them, uh, Ayame. <laughs> he asked my sides went into orbit the second he opened his mouth, and I knew it was coming. Is Christopher Savage? Ooh, Kyle boy. No, that's you, that's somebody else no, later. I know. No, if you thought. Oh, Yuri Yuri Ice. If you thought Yuri on Ice was the first time that Chris I, okay, had to be a boy, motherfucker, okay. you were wrong. He plays Chris Giamatti in Yuri on Ice. Joyce, the second they opened his mouth, I was like, oh my god, it's Chris. Yes. And I just started crying. <laughs> I was so excited. Uh, he's also oh, yeah. Vegeta, Better Dad Piccolo, everybody, and the fucking dog in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> as well as Son Hawk in Yona of the Dawn. Oh my god. Uh, Kagura is played by Meredith McCoy, who also plays uh, a couple of the uh, Yuki fangirls, actually. She's also Android 18 in Dragon Ball Z, uh, Botana in Kitty Grade, and Fujiko Mine in Lupin the Third, Missed by a Dollar. And she's also the one who sings the opening for the dub. Mm. I think Um, she's Fujiko for quite a few of the... um, She's Fujiko in a lot of Funimation stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Hatsaharu is played by our director, Justin Cook, to which I yelled, Yusuke, your meshi is a cow. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously you're not Yusuke, wrong. Because Yusuke... <laughs> what the fun of me shit? Justin Cook goes, hey guys, I hope you guys are all giving her hard questions when Lauren's giving us a round. And we're in the car, we're going to the car, and Amon just goes, Yusuke, you're a meshi, talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> um... He's also everyone's favorite man, Get Hard, Kirishima Eijiro in My Hero Academia. Yes. And he's also the point of, he's also the voice of my personal anger, Dietrich Von Longeren from Trinity Blood. Fuck you. Hmm. Um, <laughs> by the way, uh, young Hatsuharu is played by Joshua Huber, which I'm assuming is one of Chuck Huber's many children. <laughs> um, and Momiji is played by Kimberly Grant who does not have a lot of credits to her name, besides Baba's Ghost in Dragon Ball and Rinku in Yu Hakusho. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Everybody def- back away so, and let Hari go. So so definitely two out of the four here. We don't really see much of them after this one, probably. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. only two of these guys are going to come, and that being Kristen, obviously Justin. Right? Yeah. Oh, go at it. God. Where do I begin? Momiji's... <laughs> Momi, I just do not like this performance at all. I just really? don't. It, it's uh, there's something. Well, first of all, the way Kimberly plays him does not sound the slightest bit like a little boy at all. It sounds completely feminine. Um, that's kind of the point when an actress has to perform as play as a young male character is that they have to make them at least sound somewhat like a little boy momiji doesn't momiji sounds like a little girl and i know i don't i don't know if that was what they were intending to but it's just he he sounds completely totally feminine and it sounds a lot like there's a lot of line reading in this performance um 
one thing that really specifically annoyed me was when Momiji starts whining and he goes, wah, wah. Yeah, I will admit that also gets on my nerves. That yeah. is just, like, there's no emotion to it. It's just flat and it's lifeless. And I just, I do not care for this performance. And I like Momiji as a character because of his backstory, which is just one of the stronger parts of the show, in my opinion. Yeah. But I mean, I just I was very underwhelmed by the voice acting here. Yeah, I can I can kind of agree on that too. Like, even though personally, even though I did get, I did feel like it was, the voice wasn't that too too feminine. I mean, considering Momiji, he's not only this happy go lucky kid, his mom is also originally a foreigner from overseas that his dad met. Mm -hmm. So, kind of thinking in that my mind a little bit there, maybe there's a bit of like um, foreigner aspects to Luigi to, to a sense, but I kind of, I can agree to me the performance for um, Grant as Momiji was rather 50-50. Like, I can agree that the whining just like, I didn't have as hard of a time with it as you probably did, but mm. It also wasn't one of the highlights of the performance to me, but I feel like mm -hmm. I feel like in Kimberly Grant's case, where she kind of shined with Momiji the most was those serious moments, rather than the always happy-go-lucky and the way he hit me, that kind of shit. You kind of did sit a really crazy spot on impression. Yeah, that <laughs> sounded like really accurate, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um... But I think more of the dramatic moments, and with uh, Momiji's backstory in particular, I think that might be the highlight of her performance, of anything, to me. Right. But, yeah, by the way, Momiji's backstory, if you're not expecting it, kind of is like, whoa, bitch! Oh, yeah. Mm. All things Because it comes out of nowhere. Kind of does, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, like, the show kind of hints at a lot of skeevy, uh, downright abusive and emotionally manipulative shit. But, like, if you're not... I think it's episode 14. I don't... If you're not expecting the end half of episode 14... Yeah. Prepare for a sideswipe. And this yeah. is... And, and that, in particular, speaks to the strength of the writing as well, again. When his mother says that one line, and I think you know the one I'm talking about, it just hits... I wish that thing never came out of me. Yes. It hits like yeah. a wrecking ball. It does. Because, yeah, because the, the story, basically, of Momiji, because as Momiji describes it after he tells his story to Toru, because he learned there are two types of parents... In the Zodiac. In the Zodiac. Either the ones who become so overly protective of their kids... Kisa's um, mom. Like Kisa's mom, for example. Or the ones that reject them completely, which would be Momiji's mom. And then there, then there's kind of the shit that uh, Yuki's mom pulls in the manga, which is fucking awful. Um, or, or what Akito's mom, Akito's mom does. Oh boy. Um, but no, like, and the worst thing is too, like, one of the the, the other heart mo heart wrenching scenes is just Momiji's dad hogging him, going, "Mama has to forget you, but don't worry, Dad's gonna make up for your uh, make up for her twice as much." Yep. And it, you can kind of see that his dad really doesn't. Yeah, not really. Because if you, if you watch the show, uh, Momiji's always kind of hanging around with Hattori. 
Mm, yeah. Um, who we'll get to in a little bit. Kind of, yeah. Um, but by the way, um, to segue into this, um, if you've never, if you've seen the episode where he's dressed as a girl, to which I will agree to a lot with what Steph said, and I will agree that the wah kind of noises to get on my nerves. And I, I do hope that if the show inevitably gets remade, um, I would love to see Lucy Christian come in to I be Momiji because I know it would be really yeah. similar to Honey from Oron. But yeah, it was Lucy really funny was when Oron was coming out, the first thing my my thought of Momiji was, was, oh, he's a lot uh, of Honey was he's a lot like Momiji, but more comedic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, would make sense if you had Lucy coming in. But um, here's the thing: is that as he as the series goes on, because the series does let um, Kyo Toru and that group go it, them going through high school, is a uh, Hatsuharu's little fantasy about Momiji getting hot is true. <laughs> <laughs> Momiji is very is a very attractive young man. Oh, uh, so is Hatsuharu, to which. Justin Cook is kind of one of my favorite performances in the show. Oh, uh, because boy. He, he, he gets to do the very... Hataharu has two very distinct modes. Um, Black Haru and White Haru. And White Haru is very soft-spoken and very calm and kind of dopey-sounding. Mm-hmm. A little dopey, um, yes. He's a little dopey-sounding. But the second it switches to Black Haru, I would not... I would be like, okay, this kid's gonna fucking fight me. Yeah. Until his eyes bleed and his arms cut. And he's gonna turn into the Black Knight from fucking Monty Python. He's gonna <laughs> choke a fucker. He's gonna choke a bitch. Like, gonna choke a bitch. I think I think one of my I think one of my favorite moments of introducing any character in the show goes to when they do actually introduce Hatsuharu. Yes. And there's these two older girls like thinking he's going to go clubbing, and you see him like get on a bike and it's literally just a little bicycle with a dinghy bell. <laughs> That's great. Because and then he, he trips it- Keo because he t- so he can fight him. Because he got fucking lost trying to find Shigure's house to try and find them. Hmm. Hatsuharu has no sense of direction <laughs> at all. Because he's a cow. Yes, but no, he's literally a cow guy. Yes, yeah. he is. No, um, I can agree that because Justin he does have to play these two very distinct sides of Haru. And, um... I can't believe Yusuke Urameshi is a cow. I love... Urameshi! I do enjoy... Shut up! I do enjoy both sides for, like, their respective personalities. Though, I kind of have to give it more to Black Haru. Yeah. Because Black Haru was funny as hell, and it's, like, one of the more... I don't want to say typical, um but probably one of the more common type of performances you usually see Justin pull. White Haru is different. Very different, but he is kind of dopey sounding. He is a little bit dopey sounding, and I didn't 100% get into White Haru on that end. Black Haru, I was just like, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) You win. (laughs) Yeah. Justin Cook has always been one of my favorite, an underrated voice actor, and I re- really like to see him do bigger roles. But he uh, he tends to stay sort of behind the scenes most of the yeah. time, unless when it comes to Yu Yu Hakusho. So I think I think that has o- that has been his only lead role so far, if I'm not mistaken on that. Um, he's I, I done important know. characters, I know, he's, in he other has shows. Done major characters, yeah, because he's been he's been like major characters and like back and he has a pretty 
decent sized role as um, Ejiro. Ejiro Kirishima, my mm. hero. Yeah. But yeah, I think Yu Yu Hakusho might be the only lead role that we know of that yeah. Justin's ever done. Yeah, I'd like to see him do more lead roles because he's always been a very good actor, even in the early days of Funimation. He was yeah. one of the standout performers. So, I, th- I think I w- the problem on that end really is because since Justin Cook does a lot more producing nowadays, yeah, it could potentially cause a conflict of interest. Gotcha. That's would- probably the that's probably what I'm thinking might be the big reason why he doesn't do really any leads. Uh, to be to be fair though, there have been directors in the past that will give themselves the lead role. To be fair. But, um, in terms um, of, like, a producer standpoint, which is, like, above all of them, I mean, yeah. I can see a conflict of interest being a problem. But I, I do I do wish you had the chance to do more lead roles. That'd be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I will say this, Haru does get kind of more of a role in um, the manga, because obviously they introduce... Um, if you've never watched the show, you never actually get to meet um, Izuzu Rin, or Rin Soma, who is the horse... Or Kareno Soma, who is the Brewster. Um, yeah, Black Haru nearly beats the shit out of Akito uh, because he throws his girlfriend out a window. Oh. Again, reminding reminding everyone that Akito is not a very good person. Person. <laughs> um, but that's also who Haru hooks up with in the end is, is Azuzu. But uh, Haru gets to have more of these uh, kind of moments in the manga, which I would like to see. Um, and then moving on to another, I, I guess, kind of another bigger player in the story, especially towards the beginning and the end, is Kagura. Mm-hmm. Or Kagura, if you watch the show, because they don't pronounce it right. Right. Oh, um, boy. Uh, God, I don't know how to feel about her performance, because I think she gets the yelling part right, but I don't feel like she hits the quiet parts right. Yeah, yeah. that's that's my problem with it, too. Like... Um, and especially in the last, the second to yeah. last episode, yeah. I, I think, I think Meredith McCoy's performance of Kagura, if we're going by pronunciation terms, Kagura, Kagura, that poor fucking boy. <laughs> I think, I think for me, this is probably my biggest performance. I have to give it here because, honestly, I think even the yelling that she has to do I don't think I was really sold on her performance that like much you didn't you weren't sold on the fact that she was gonna murder this motherfucker for living in a house with another girl no like not even not just that but those quiet moments I just I feel like in general I wasn't really sold on it and it's kind of hard sometimes it was a little bit rough to sometimes sit through those scenes with um Kagura because of that honestly yeah no I've always sort of had sort of a I've always always kind of not really cared for Meredith McCoy in general as an actress Um, she's better playing the tough big girl roles like Fujiko and Android 18 but even so I've never really been sold on her acting Um, I think she's gotten better now that she is back playing 18 again and she's had time to really oh she is back as 18 in super yeah in super she's back um because in kai it's colleen but uh but yeah now that she's playing 18 again i think she has gotten a lot better but um but yeah i just i was i too wasn't really sold on on her as kagura because 
it, it goes against the type that she usually plays. And I like to see actors go against type a lot, which I'm going to get to with Ayami especially. Oh, but, God. But, um, but yeah, in Meredith's case, I just, I've never really been that fond of her as an actress in general. Um, yeah, I, would, I mean, I wouldn't yeah. mind if they remade the series for potentially coming back because she was the original cast mm-hmm. person, and I would rather keep kind of the, as much of the original cast. Um, obviously, aside from the few characters, due to certain details, like obviously Aaron's mm-hmm. voice changing. Sure. I think the, uh, I think the big Kate thing... not being able to come back in and record, because there are other moments that I think come in the manga later on that she could do potentially with more experience than she had at recording this point. Um, the one scene I really wanted to point out where, I mean, she doesn't nail the quiet moments is in episode 24, and it's between her and Yuki. Yes. And it's when she's going through, and it's a very dark and very somber scene. Yeah. It's them both kind of coming to this moment where um, they've all seen Kyo's true form, and in Kagura's taste, it's the second time she's seen it. Um, they kind of imply what happened in the flashbacks, which is that when they were little kids, Kyo did used to get to go outside until Kagura took his beads. Oh, yep. don't take the beads. No. Which turned him into the monster and he ran away and his mother therefore began to keep constantly checking and checking and checking, which, as you know, starts her own fears of Kyo as this monster's child and his own anger and resentment back that she was... She, he he believes he's come to terms with her being afraid of him, but he still wanted to share his experience with her, but we'll get to that when we get to this character. Um, but when she's going through the box, she she's kind of talking to Yuki about how he can't go out into the rain and comfort Kyo because they understand what the curse is and what it is, and it's Toru who is the only one who can say it and save her from himself mm-hmm. and while she's she's saying this to him compared to who plays yuki who does respond back where that performance of that character was at its peak in that moment yep she is not at her peak where she needs to be because again during this last set of three episodes i will say that every actor who speaks does get on their a game yes um, I can agree with this. Some characters get to their S, like an S plus level. Mm-hmm. Um, but when she's going through the box to repair her little cat looking backpack, she pulls out an orange thimble and says, oh, this is Keo's color. But you can't really tell if there's sadness, joy, heartbreak, melancholy in there. Because it's, you can't tell by the lighting in the scene because it's, fucking dark and grim as shit. Yeah. So you need to be able to tell by the character's voice. And I don't feel like she gets there. On the other side of that spectrum, you have somebody who nails every part of their character and is completely playing against the type that, for one, is established for this actor, but will be what establishes him 16 years later in Chris as Ayame, who is like... Throwing everything balls to the walls and it works. Yeah. <laughs> again, again, like I said when we were introducing this, if you thought Yuri on Ice was the first time Chris Savage got to play a flamboyant motherfucker, you are so wrong. <laughs> and I yeah. love it. Yes, you, I remember talking about 
uh, Chris Sabat being cast as All Might in My Hero Academia, and how originally I was kind of mispleased by that because he always gets cast in uh, as that type. And this is the reason why, because I like to see actors play against type. I want to see Chris Sabat be a flamboyant, crazy, over-the-top nutcase and it's just amazing this is if this if this dub had been cast in recent days this would have totally been j michael tatum i mean oh more than likely yeah yeah i don't think it would have worked it would have worked but it would have been again it would have been time be memorable yeah yeah it wouldn't be as memorable as what sabbath did with iota This is probably probably my favorite performance in the entire dub, and it's just yay! <laughs> I and I I think I it also comes with how for as despicable as a person Ayama is, because mm-hmm. <laughs> he's kind of a horrible person. He's kind of a bad uh, person. He's kind of a bad person <laughs> uh, because in his past he never really reached out and took Yuki's hand when Yuki needed him most and he wants to repair the relationship between him and his brother yeah him and his brother um and he does kind of get this really awesome moment in the manga later on where uh Yuki's mom shows back up and has Yuki's future all planned for him and it's obviously not what he wants Ayame just comes in and shuts her the fuck down Mm -hmm. because he's a good he is a good brother he's just kind of weird um (laughs) can we just talk about the part where he just comes he comes running out in a fucking man's wedding dress at one point <laughs> and no, doesn't no. think anything of I, it. Neither does his assistant, who is as wackadoo crazy as he is. I think one of probably the one of the other funniest moments that I that I heard from Zabbat, dear sweet lord, um, the story the of district. the story about that class trip where a group of boys yes. went to the red light district and he had direct your questions up to me. He defended the boys in front of the teachers and the and all the teachers think he's fucking wacko. Oh my god, that was amazing! Like when when he uh, like when he does the speech about the hair. Yes. Yes. Whenever he goes on really weird, fun tangents like that, that is the highlight for me for Savin and his portrayal of Ayame Mm -hmm. because it's so it's so rare to see him go like that, and when you do see Savin go in that direction it's the best thing ever and mm-hmm. coming yeah, off of, of like because i haven't seen first basket in a couple of years so obvi- yeah. so obviously i've seen yuri on ice like fairly recently <laughs> at least in the last <laughs> year or so and then coming back here is like treasure in that show i don't care what you just fucking said <laughs> and like coming back to this it's like dude i because i forgot that this is what it sounded like like Sounded this is what exactly this is like how he yeah this is how he sounded as Ayame and I'm like shit <laughs> I'm like oh my god it's it's the comedic timing is there the the voice is there the personality is there I just love every single bit about that performance honestly I also love when he's the little snake and he just keeps going in Toru's clothes oh my god <laughs> and uh, one of my other personal favorite moments is when they uh, he trans gets transformed at the lake. And they just fucking fling him into the lake and nobody's going to go get him because Shigure is too afraid and Hattori's like, I'm as done with him as you are. Hattori's so like, I'm are, done with this motherfucker. Are, are, you, are we ready to go? Yep. Yes. 
Uh, speaking of Hattori, Ooh, um, yes. we have, oh boy, this is the fun part of this. Oh, is the, oh, oh, oh God, if you have never seen Fruits Basket, I will give you one guess as to what scene everybody shows you to show you about the show. Uh, and that is Hattori's backstory. Nine times out of ten, yeah. Nine times out of ten. So you have Hattori Soma, or Hattori, who is the Soma family dragon as well as the doctor, whose job it is to not only take care of the family and the head of the family, Akito, but to erase the memories of anybody who has found out about the curse and cannot keep it a secret. And then, oh boy! This motherfucker! Let's talk about everybody's least favorite character. Oh boy. Akito Soma, the head of the family and the Soma family god. They are a vengeful, evil person who will beat, hit, emotionally and physically, emotionally and verbally scar to keep that his, his or their, to keep their curse in line. Um, and even resort to hair pulling. Oh yeah. Hair pulling, uh, smashing ceramics into someone's eye. Yep. By the way, Hattori is pretty much blind, blind, nearly in, his blind in one of his eyes because of this. Um, motherfucker, I want to punch motherfucker to keep it. Yeah, if you ever want an, an explanation of how good anime can be with color and editing and dialogue. Yeah, Hattori's backstory. And you want to show show somebody the scene where Hattori, Hattori asks Akito for the ability to marry his girlfriend and Akito's reaction, because it is superb even 16 years later. Yes. Hattori Soma is played by Kent motherfucking detective man Williams. Yay! And Akito is played by Chad Klein. Kent Williams plays characters like Chardon Flamberg in Black Cat, Supreme Kai in Dragon Ball Super, and Azazel in Rage of Bahamut Genesis. Chad Klein plays Romania in Italia, The Beautiful World, oh, no. Scotch in One Piece, and Scusa in 91 Days. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yep, he is the uh, FBI agent. Oh, fuck. Um, okay. Before I start talking about this. Okay. And I've been waiting to say this. Oh, I know you, where this is going. If you've you noticed, already. I have been using the term they to describe, to describe Akidome. If this show was to be remade, Chad Klein would not be able to play Akito because Akito is actually female. Plot twist. <laughs> yeah, they are They are actually female. It's not revealed towards uh, later on in the manga. Um, and a lot of the reason that the, the way they act, the way they do, is a combination of her mother's own abuse towards her and her own jealousy towards her own child as well as Akito's fear of the curse ending and being uh, ultimately alone. However, it does not excuse the copious amounts of physical and verbal abuse oh, tossed boy. at the family. Um, it explains their actions. It does not excuse it. Um, they are a horrible, horrible, awful person. Um, like I said, they've done things from beating a small child to throwing a motherfucker out the window and nearly stabbing Toru at one point. Yeesh. She does she does in fact stab Kareno, the rooster, in the back. Ow. And disables him and makes him walk with a permanent limp for the rest of his life. Jeez. Um 
that being said, I want to talk about uh, Hattori second. One, okay. because he's actually my favorite character upon rewatch. Um, and there's a lot of things in the series that you kind of pick up on about his character through his performance and also his actions. Um, Chad Klein's Akito doesn't always work in the very quiet moments where he's trying to be menacing. Mm -hmm. But when Akito starts resorting to violence and insanity, he nails it. Yeah, that's what I know. And sadly, you don't even really see that until the very last episode. You see it a couple. If you see it when he... You to me, the yeah, first time he nails it is when he's just smashed the ceramic into Hattori's eye yeah, you and can... starts blaming Kana and says, this is your yeah. fault. You did this to him. This is all your fault. Mm. That, that's definitely a big like hint or indicator. But yeah, the, the freak out at the end of the series when up. Fucking throw... She fucking throws... <gasps> Shikari and Yuki like a foot each. <laughs> but yeah, I kind of I have to agree there as well. Where the quieter moment, I think one of the times where I had a very difficult time believing it was when Akito was at their school, and it was. It was just as he met Toru and Yuki interrupts them. And um, Akito kind of just whispers in his ear, I can put you in that dark room again. You know, that room. I didn't really believe it. I didn't yeah. believe that. I believed Yuki's reaction, but I didn't really believe the threat from Akito. And so, yeah, like some of the quieter moments that Chad had to play, I couldn't really 100% get behind them. But yeah, I would but, kill to see Chad play like a fucking sociopath, dude, a psycho, dude. in a show now. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. Cause yeah, I I I also agree. Like when he freaks out, he freaks the fuck out, and it's pretty damn, and it can be pretty damn scary at points. Um, but yeah, I definitely would agree. Like the quieter moments, I wasn't fond of, but freak out moments, oh boy. Mm -hmm. See, my thing is, if before we move on to Hattori, um. If they were to redo the show, I don't know who I'd put there. Honestly, I kind of put, like, my instant thought is to actually give it to Terry Doty. Because I feel like Terry Doty can nail the psychopath and still sound masculine. Yeah. I would probably do go with uh, Lydia Mackey. Honestly. She's, she's like, in her 20s, though. I see. She's, like, maybe... Yeah. Maybe, God, maybe a couple years younger than Sh uh, Shigure Ayame... Hattori and Karina, who I think are all t in their late 20s. Yeah. I I would probably peg... I would say Terry, but I would say Leah Clark might be able to pull it off. And Ooh, then if we shit, really want to go... Doing it. If we really want to go for a challenge, let's go with Afia Yu. That would actually be really fucking... That would be great. <laughs> specifically Leah Clark. <laughs> like... I I um, would love to see Afia get the chance to pull off a very different character than what we usually see her as. Honestly. Yeah. And I think and I think Akito would be one of the per like a perfect example of like someone straying away from their normal type of character. Yeah, and then moving on to uh, finally to get to move on to to uh, Hattori, uh, Hattori, if you watch the show. Um 
I never knew Kent Williams could play of a shonen doctor. <laughs> and then Fruits Basket happened. It, no, Fruits Basket happened before the rest. Well, fair, but still. My one thing is, I feel like he speaks very fast. Yeah. Did anybody else kind of catch that? A little bit. Mm. A tiny bit at points, but not... not. It's not... I don't think it's frequent, but it. I feel like it did happen couple times and I think that's more of a product of again this being an early dub and trying to figure yeah, out how to, bad. and trying and to I figure out how dubbing works yeah <laughs> you know how, how I mean? to fit how to fit memories and lip flaps but yes I feel like he really nails how kind of sad Hattori is because face it this guy had to erase the memories of at one point a bunch of young children yeesh yeah. Because they, they hugged Yuki by accident. Um, he had to erase Momiji's mother's memories. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he had to do his own fiance. Oh. Yeah. For the sake of... She... I'm sorry. Just watching the poor woman go through what she did. Because they said that she shut down as a person. She basically... Yeah. She shut she, down. She shut down. Under, the, under it. And... It's implied that's the reason why he's very close to Momiji and babysits him a lot, is because he feels guilty. Mm-hmm. And I think he really gets it, but he also really gets the annoyed at his two best friends. Because <laughs> I think one of the, which, what was it? If you tell them, I will tell every embarrassing story about you since you were four. Yeah, Hatari, Kent Williams basically had to play like the straight man between him Ayame, Chris's Ayame, and then Shigure when we got to him. And my god. Fucking Ugh. Yeah, and I think Kent really pulls it off well. My thing with Kent Williams is in this entire show, since the first time I watched it when I was like 14, 15 years old until now, there have really been two performances that are so, so, so memorable to me that I can remember this to this day. Kent Williams is one of them. And especially, it it is still one of the most memorable. It's very different for him to play this type of character. And, like, even, especially watching the story about him and Kana, his, um, his girlfriend, Beyonce, Oh god. That is still one so of the most That is still one of probably the most beautiful and heart-wrenching stories that I've ever seen portrayed in anime and a lot of it is due to Kent Williams and his performance of Hot. Because I I feel like when he retells the story by that point he's still he's very detached from it too yeah. at that point. Yeah. Like it's not as if he's reliving his own... Because it is... I think it says it's, like, one of the first times he's dreamed about it in years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then, but and he then, seems very detached from his own memories of what happened. Because, yeah, a little bit later on when they're at the lake house and when Ayama shows up, he happens to have pictures of Kana's wedding. Kana's wedding. And Hatari doesn't want to look at them. Because he's yeah, put that behind he's moved on. He's moved on. He, so. he says he's moved on. But yeah, I, I, I don't think Ken Williams' Hatsuri is still to this day like one of the performances I remember him most for. Like if you mm. were like it's one of those cases where it's like 
the opposite end of Mike McFarlane was Ritsu. If you were to ask me about memorable performances of Kent Williams, one of the first ones I would probably say to you would be Hot Today. And I really hope that if they ever did remake the series, that they would bring him back into a reprise it. They better bring him back. I'll be pissed. (laughs) Because I I enjoy the fact that it's not like some crazy old guy. It's like some 27-year-old doctor who's actually really attractive. Mm -hmm. Um, Cardi, how do you feel, though? Yeah, I mean, it it was good. I liked it. So. That's really nice. I like it. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Very nice. High five. (laughs) High five. High five. Yeah. So moving on from them, we have Arisa Uatani and Saki Hanajima. Arisa Uatani is a former Yankee, like, um, gang, uh, g- mom. gang member, yeah. Yeah, gang member or Yankee. It's a Yankee. They say Yankee specifically. They use the term Yankee, yeah. Yankee. Uh, like at one point, the the little Yuki fan club girls are sassing Toru, and she literally busts out a metal pipe and smashes it on. Yeah, and it's nowhere. <laughs> and the girl goes like, "Aren't metal pipes all against school rules? What are you gonna do about it, bitch?" <laughs> and then uh, Saki Hanajima is a girl who is Toru's gothic goth best friend, who has powers over electric waves, and is kind of psychic. Mm-hmm. Um, who is very soft-spoken and kind of motherly, and also be, it's kind of implied she knows about the curse, because she's always, like, a cat and a rat towards Kyo yeah. and Yuki. Um, Arisa is played by Parsa Fakiri, who is also characters like Bola in Dragon Ball GT, Carrie in Case Clothes, and Rita Verushino Vers- in Kitty Grade, and Hanajima, Saki Hanajima is played by Daphne Green, who is Maron in the Dragon Ball Z series, um, which was the only other role that was listed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think between and the was, two, if I, when I was looking it up too, I think da- Daphne only has like one or two. Yeah, and she was also the singer who sung the original Dragon Ball ending and the Blue Gender ending. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Um, yeah. So, feelings for these characters, I will say I really liked one of them, and I really was kind of on the fence about the other. Uh. Yeah. Unless you both, you both hated them. <laughs> I didn't care for either one of them. I, I think near the end when they have their emotional uh, moments, it gets better. But in Hana's case specifically, it's just, it's such a line read. There's no emotion. I know it's sort of, she's supposed to be sort of this uh, emotionless sort of doll. But I mean, it's oh, just she's quiet, not emotionless. She's, she does feel things, right? She's very quiet and subdued, but it just sounds so bland. And there's just—it's nothing. There's just nothing there. And, and when you listen, Jason, if when, this was recorded today, this would totally be Brina Plant. Yeah, yeah, because Brina can actually do characters like that, but you can feel something there. Yeah. Uh, with in in Parisa, what what is her name? Uh, Parisa Fakir's case. It's just. <laughs> I just didn't care for it. It's just, oh no, oh no, I'm not going to allow that to happen. And even in, even in, what's it, uh, Arisa, um, she also felt very bland and wooden to me. I just didn't, yeah, these would, this would not, these performances would not fly in a modern day dub. No, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't, yeah, you're right. They wouldn't really fly on a, modern dub at this point 
And I do have to agree with your thoughts on Daphne as Hana. Like, this, her, and I think, um, God, who was it? Meredith as Kagura. Mm-hmm. Those two were the biggest ones I had issues with, though Kagura was, like, straight up, uh, um, I feel the like though, but Meredith's improvement as an actress herself. Here's the thing: I don't, I haven't really seen anything that Meredith's done, but Fruits Basket. Mm-hmm. I have okay. nothing else to judge her on as an actress. Right. So well, for the longest time, she she much. quit voice she quit voice acting for the longest time and has just only recently come back to it for, with Super. So I haven't watched Super, so there's yeah. the problem. Um, but kind of go again, going back to Hana and Uo. Hana and Daphne, I'm in similar camp as you, Hardy. I'm not a fan of it. I don't necessarily think it's a problem with it just like sounding like a line read. Cause there were twinges of emotion. I get where they were going with in terms of direction for Hana's character. But Hana's not that stoic all the time. She doesn't have to sound that way all the time. And I think Kind especially of, in the last episode, second last episode. Yep, especially the second last episode. Hana uses tackle. It was effective. <laughs> um, Uo, she's not my... Parisa's not my favorite. Either is Uo. Uh, and if they were to redo the show and do the dub again, she would more than likely be replaced. Yeah. Um, but... Honestly, my tap at the right <laughs> Maybe God, it would be good as Uo. Because mm-hmm. I feel like it's a Brina, it's the Brina trainer race for Hanaji Masaki. Maybe for Han, it's the, it's the it's it's the race. I mean, Elizabeth Maxwell might be able to pull it off because she's, oh, dude, holy shit, that'd be great. Because she's played the, a teenage, she's played a teenager in Fuga, so I feel like Elizabeth Maxwell would have fun with Uo. But um, she was also really good in uh, Akito the Exile. Yes, too, so. that too. But anyway, um, yeah, Parisa, like, I don't dislike it completely like you do, Hardy. Like, there mm. are- It's not the best, but it's also not the worst. Yeah, it's kind of in the middle <laughs> for right. me. Like, it's- Like, it's, it's wooden and kind of stiff at points, yes. but when she needs to turn it on, at least she can turn it on. And yeah. I feel like Daphne does too, unlike Meredith in, in the second to last episode- because essentially, they actually fight for once in 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 the uh, in the, the uh, graveyard. graveyard. <laughs> Hana uses tackle; it was effective. Yeah, but like every time Arisa tries to cover her, no, <laughs> don't do it. She has to do this herself. So, like, I was I was gonna say one of the best ways to show how Hana's kind of voice is weaker is watch the episode with um. Where the Yuki fan club goes to her house. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And all of the Yuki fan club girls sound ten times better. Fun fact, Jamie Markey is one of her, and that was her first anime role. Yep. <laughs> She's the club president. Mitoko, who is, talks to herself, and Yuki thinks it's cute. Um, but at least I could I could see Uo's performance. Like, it gets by for the day, but I right. would agree with you guys where it doesn't really fly in today's day, today's day and age. Um... And then Hana is very stiff and probably one of the weakest, if not the weakest performance in the show. Yeah. Um, but I think they're good, but they're not, especially with the next four characters we're talking about oh God, um, at yeah. this point being individuals. Yeah. 
they're going to be a lot weaker than even the weakest one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would even say, like, even characters, even only being an episode, like, a character like Hero has a very memorable performance. Yeah. Right. Or he- just, just yeah. Yeah. Um, so are we good to move on to the next character? <laughs> to the main four, yeah. To the main four. Uh, I'm excited uh, speak- now. Speaking of the main four, let's throw a bone and get our friend, <laughs> the dog. It is Shigure Soma, who girls, is the year of the dog girls. and a chivalrous girl. High school girl. High school girl. <laughs> My friend Shantae in high school would cheer that as she walked along oh, halls. No, in high school, mind you. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, Shigure Soma is the Soma family uh he is the dog in the Zodiac. He is also a novelist, sometimes of fine novels and sometimes of the Media Blasters fine smuttery variety. <laughs> Media Blasters premieres of fine pornography. No, we are not sponsored. And Shiguri is a fucking troll if I'd ever seen one. And Shiguri is also probably everyone's first introduction to the anime troll. Um... <laughs> So Shiguri is played by John Bergmeier, our head writer. John Bergmeier plays everyone's favorite exceed, Freed from Fairy Tale. <laughs> wait, exceed. Fuck you, fight me. He's Loxus's exceed. <laughs> okay, I was excellent. Like, and wait. his boyfriend. Um, he is also Ebisu in Noragami, ripping out all of our hearts uh, and smashing on it, and exploding and into a giant sh- blood bag. <laughs> like when everybody turned into Tang and Evangelion. Let's repeat that. <laughs> Please tell me you've all seen the AMV Hell clip of the Tang music set to that. I think so. It's been a while. And then there's the other one with Will Ferrell. I think I've been shot. <laughs> that, whole, that whole one goes on for so long, but it's so good and so dark. And he's also Shay- uh, I'm gonna butcher this name. Seishin Maroi in Cheeky. Oh, Seishi Maroi, yes, okay. John Bergmeier carrying the show <laughs> on his back. I, this is the best, this, I'm sorry, I have to talk. He's about, the best performance. I, I, I have to talk about this because the best way to describe this performance, there is a line, and I think Yuki is the one who says it. You just love hearing yourself talk, huh? And <clears> that's, that's John Bergmeier's performance in a nutshell. Yeah. Not only is the personality there, the humor is there. Because first of all, he probably had so much fun writing these lines for himself. But when Shigure does have to be dramatic, and if we're going back to the end of the series, when he looks for Toru in the forest, and he basically, like, stops Akito, like, when he gets dramatic and serious he will make shiguri dramatic and serious and basically the entire performance was just a bunch of fun to me especially all the comedic bits and the comedic timing that shiguri has and shiguri is the one who has probably the most witty little quips uh throughout the show uh he is the one who talks about misdirected rage or being an ass uh, he loves to troll his editor. Like, there's no Beggar. tomorrow. Tips <laughs> for the poor Becca girl. Yes. It's it's so much fun. And we also gotta admit that Shigure is a dirty pervert. 
<laughs> I mean, and, yeah, like I think at one point he literally openly sniffs one of Toru's bath towels yes, to get his ass beat. Yes. And then he also buys her a maid outfit yes. to wear on White Day <laughs> as a gift for White Day to clean up his house. Have we mentioned he's 27? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like in terms of one of the more fun and stand up performances, that one line you just love hearing yourself talk. That's John Bergmeier Sugary in nutshell me and it's so much fun and I love it to pieces. Oh yeah, I think he was uh, uh, I have mixed feelings about this dub in general but John Bergmeier was always always good. You know, uh, he has been the most consistent in uh, in Funny's history of dubs uh, for since yeah. the very beginning and so and, and Shiguri is absolutely no exception. Yeah, he was fun to listen to. Yeah, one of one of the things I really liked is when he yells at Akito to stop it in the woods. Yeah, it uh, was kind of like Toru's literally crying her eyes out under a tree in the storm, and he's like, "Akito, get out of here!" And he's like, "I regret ever dragging you into this." Like he kind of knew, even though in the manga Shiguri planned this all, and he's a fucking asshole, and he knew how to break the curse the entire fucking time. Oh boy. <laughs> Also, he ends up with the keto. So which, oh boy, let's talk about that bullshit. So yeah, at one point, do you want to know why Shiguri's living in the house in the woods, guys? Why? You told me this before, but yes, let's go. So, as you know, Akito a girl. Um, and Akito did confess to Shigure that she loved him. Um, so Shigure, knowing that the curse would forever keep up if things kept going the way that Akito's mother was controlling things and abusing her child, um, slept with her. Oh. With the mom. And said it was revenge for Akito sleeping with Kureno. And said that, quote unquote, to Shigure's, to uh, Akito's mom, you will look like what Akito would look like if you raised her as a girl. Oh. And he told that to her and Akito threw her out of the house, threw him out of the house. Mm -hmm. oh. And he saw Toru and put his plan into motion to break the curse. Um, so Shigure is a manipulative asshole and doesn't get punished for anything he does. Mm. Um, oh boy. Which I would pay good fucking money to see John Bergmeier act that. <laughs> Dude. If, because if, we know he can do dramatic. Yeah. I mean, if Ebisu is like, literally are all of our reactions no, to no. John Bergmeier is Ebisu and Noragami was to sing praises. Here's the thing. If you ever seen Shiki, him as Seishin Maroi is phenomenal. And it's I like, have not watched that show, and that should be a classic episode so I can finally fucking watch it. I will make that a thing. I will be the fucking host. You will be with me. And Let's do and this. And considering <laughs> it goes out of print, it goes out of print next year. So. <gasps> oh, that's true. Because Aniplex. Right, I forgot about Aniplex. It's a, um, it's okay. I won half of my copy in a in a in a contest, and I bought the other half at a great discount. Because full moose credits are a thing that exists, ladies and gentlemen. I bought it because it was going out of print and Hardy told me to. Mm. Um, but yeah, but his, his I, performance as Seisha Maria and Shiki is phenomenal. So yeah, I would... If and, they were to and, remake the show, please bring John Bergmeier back as Shigure. Please. Anyway, so are we all good with Shigure? Yes, yes. let's move on to the main three. Yes. Oh. So first up, in the main, in the main three, oh. let's get a little catty. Oh. And talk about Kyosoma, uh -huh. who is the Zodiac Cat, who is the outsider, who apparently, if you know the old story of the Zodiac, that the rat tries not to come to the party. 
So therefore, he is cursed by the vengeful spirit that wants... And he his idea is that if he can beat Yuki, he'll get offered in to the Zodiac as a proper member of the family. But obviously, it is a, it is a facade, though, to hide his past trauma due to the suicide of his mother and the feelings he has towards Kazuma about, quote-unquote, not being his dad. Uh, because his real dad's a piece of shit. Um, so, Kiyosoma is played by Jerry Jewell, who plays characters like Victor Nikivarov in this little one-bit indie show called Yuri on Ice. Huh, mm-hmm. never heard of it. Um, uh, never heard of it. It's <laughs> not like we all went to a convention where that was a theme or something, right, guys? No, right. not at all. No, no, um, doesn't ring a bell. I don't, uh, I, don't he's remember, also, I don't remember Matt. He's also everyone's favorite bearer of the metal pipe of fame. <laughs> Russia in every season of Italia. And of course, he is the eternal best boy, Snyder Rifle Masters, Shinya Haragi, and Sarah for the end. Mm-hmm. Um, feelings about Jerry as Kyo. Oh my god. Oh my god. I don't care what anyone says. This performance is still really fucking good. It is. It really is. And fuck you, fight me. And after meeting Jerry in person, realizing just how low key and laid back yeah. he is, that He's uh, very laid back. playing someone like Kyo is actually breaking type for him. And, yeah. and he's just, I think that he's probably one of the best performances in the dub, bar none. I'm going to yeah. agree with you 100% because two things. When I first watched, when I first watched the show in high school, I had a crush on Kyo. Kyo <laughs> is still my best oh, boy from that shit, show. Yes. Kyo is my best boy from the show. The other thing, going back to Kent Williams' Hattori, Jerry's performance is the other memorable one that if you were to ask me about a memorable Jerry Jewel performance, I would instantly tell you Kiyosoma. Like, this is a phenomenal performance, and it still holds up today, because he he gets he gets the attitude of Kyo, he gets the insecurities of Kyo, he gets the personality. It's overall such a phenomenal performance, and I love every second of it, both when I was in high school and it still love it today oh my god like those last three episodes when you get to finally dig into why he is so antisocial yeah why he's afraid to open up because of what happened (laughs) it's fucking tear jerking and i think this one goes to credit to the technical team of mix engineers yep um when he's arguing with his the ghost of his mom and you hear him scream like "Go away! It's not my fault." Because we got and we it's got our... the mixture of Jerry as the the Keo that we know, Kate as the younger version. Of, not Kate. Um, I have to get the name of this person right because they deserve. Uh, they do deserve this. Uh, Avery Rice Williams. Okay. Um, as younger Keo, and then the monster Keo, and then the growling and roaring of this monster. Where it's like, no, don't look at me. Like, just how painful it sounds, yeah. too. And it's just like, oh my god, this poor kid. And he really gets the comedic moments down, too. Yes. Like, uh, when Toru gets sick and he's cooking the leeks and he's got the goggles and the freaking medical because like, <laughs> he like, hates the mask leaks. on he hates and shigure is just giving him shit and he's like, what does it look like I'm doing? I'm cooking some stewed leeks. I'm, I'm cooking stewed leeks for Toru. Ew. And then when Yuki comes home and he's like, somebody took all my leaks. <laughs> Kyo would know about that. I don't know fucking shit. She was like, I'm by. out. <laughs> I'm out, boy. I'm out. But like, 
One of the other moments that really touched me is in the very last um, episode, and it's when Kazuma leaves, and yeah. Kyo chases him down. Yep. And he goes, I'm going to be a guy that one day you can be proud to call your son. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that is the moment the fucking tears started going. Mm-hmm. Oh, mine was earlier than that. And it just kept going like, the I had already time. been crying during the backstory of, like, the little one yelling, it's not my fault, it's not my fault that she's dead. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, Fruits Basket takes no prisoners. <laughs> takes no prisoners. Pulls no punches. Um, no. Pulls no punches. Get ready to get ready to weep, you bitch. Yeah. Um, but no, the fact that it is still, I think it's still to date one of Jerry Jewel's best performances ever. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Which is astounding to say for a show that's 16 years old. Right. Because I mean, I've I've enjoyed Jerry Jewel a lot of things. I enjoy him as Victor and Yuri on Ice, but I don't think. I wouldn't say Victor's as good as Jer as Kia. Right. Yeah. Me, honestly, I enjoy him as Russian Italia. I enjoy him as Shinya, but I don't think I can. And it's just also be how iconic the performance is yes. to a generation of anime fans, especially those of us who are mine and Steph's age. Yep. Because I think Jerry even said it's like, yeah, that's the show that a lot of people come up and say that's what got me into anime, and a lot of them still, I think latch on to Kyo because of his own insecurities and his own issues. Because there are a lot of... And I'll save this kind of for the final thoughts, too, because I don't want to take up too much time. Um, but there's a lot of very nice things I can say about this show, and Kyo is one of them. Absolutely. And the genuineness of the character, and his anger, and his own fear, and just what he goes through. And Honestly, the part where he's like half naked in the rain, just saying, "I wanted my mom to, to share these moments, even though she was afraid of me." Just like, just sick the salt in the wound. You just stabbed me with your fucking show. Yeah. Like, just salt bay that right in there. <laughs> like, I would say if there were two memorable performances from Jerry from that, at least from that same time period, Kyo from Fruits Basket and Jimmy Kuda from Case Closed. Hmm are probably very memorable Jerry Jewel performances from that early point in time. To be fair, he's had a good amount of awesome performances since then. Like Victor mm-hmm. and Russia. But, and... but like you said, Megan, I would say Kyo and Jimmy Kudo are probably the two most iconic ones that if you're around mine and Megan's age, which is like mid-20s or so, those are the performances of Jerry that you remember. You remember those for like years. Yep. But there's a there is a as opposed to the next person we're going to talk about where a certain other show's fan base is going to remember mm. for a very long time. Oh yeah. boy. Are you guys ready to move yes, on? Yes sir. Yes. Uh, so next up we have Yuki Soma, who is the brat, which means he is kind of the privileged child in Mm-hmm. all of the Zodiac, but it's not all as it seems as he's left the main house to escape it because of the past physical and verbal abuse of Akito Soma, as well as his mother's own awfulness because he sold her to Akito to basically be a beating toy to. Oh. Fruits basket, fun for the whole family. <laughs> wow, okay. Um, you but, know, for uh, kids. He is the... <laughs> Fruits basket you know, for kids! For kids. Thanks, Doug Walker. Um, 
But Yuki Soma is the pretty boy that all the girls want to bang and he doesn't want to get close to them because obviously he's going to turn into a rat and that doesn't get you laid, boys and girls. No, it does not. <laughs> Try as you might. Fuck the rat. Try as you might. It's not going to get you laid. I mean, people don't want a rat in your pants. You want a snake in their pants. Oh my god. Um, trouser snake, everyone's favorite animal. Um, just imagine a snake. Oh, Yuki boy. God damn it. I'm coming out of your pants. <laughs> and I, I love the fact that I get to do this voice with this character. Uh, because Yuki Soma is played by everyone's favorite, <laughs> Eric Bell. <laughs> Eric Bell, as you might know, plays Farid. Ooh, Bathroy <laughs> from Seraph of the End. He's also Loki in Fairy Tale and Huta in The Boy and the Beast. But at this point, I think everybody knew him as that handsome, dashing future trunks from Dragon Ball Z. Kill me now. <laughs> Kill me now where I stand. Just, just. Are you happy, Hardy? Just stop. <laughs> no, there was also Hardy, something you... else we were working on, remember? What? Uh, uh, oh, no! uh, 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 I don't remember the rest of the world. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were gonna kill me if we did this. Yeah. <laughs> so please don't hurt me when I see you next week. <laughs> Take it to the chorus. No! He pressured me into doing this. Yeah. So send all your rage to Memphis. Yeah. I so much and leave me now. out of this. <laughs> yeah. Come here, girl. Don't throw me in the hud. Stop thing. it! <laughs> <laughs> or on the third rail. Yeah, we 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 tried. Yeah, we uh we tried to do. Okay, to be fair, I did sing an entire song about fucking a dragon to Jesus. Oh, oh, snowman. I'm trying not to kill everything right now. Sexy rat. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Can we sell sexy rat t-shirts? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a picture of Yuki as the rat and like a little tux, a little Justin Timberlake. Oh my god! In the band, and the band is just Haru. His backup dancer is just Hot Haru. Nice. <laughs> and Ayame. Anyways, moving oh on. Oh god damn it! Uh, anyways, moving on. Yeah, this is totally against Eric Bell's types. Mm -hmm. Uh. But yeah, up to that point, had Future Trunks been out in Dragon Ball Z yet? Uh, I, I think Trunks was his first performance, yeah. And then he went on to also be the lead in Blue Gender as well. Yeah, S similar to Chris Sabat. If you thought this is the first time, if you thought Yona of the Dawn or anything like that was the first time where Eric Bale played a quiet character, you are fucking wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. I, I compare Eric's performance of Yuki to sort of Brina Palencia's performance of someone like, uh, like the, her, her, uh, uh, what's her name? Um, Richan in Sakura Quest or even Ray in Evangelion Rebuild. Okay. It's like, it's very low key, very stoic, very soft spoken, but you can definitely feel that there is emotion there. Yeah. There is sort of a, it's a coldness and yet also sort of a warmth to it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and it's actually really interesting because um, in the Japanese, it's actually a female seiyu. Female seiyu. Really? Yes. Yes. It huh. is. Um, and 
while we were at AFAST and Noah and I went to um, Eric's last little Q&A panel that he had on Sunday, he was like, yeah, I didn't exactly expect to be voicing Yuki, <laughs> especially after I heard that he was uh, originally voiced by female Seiyu. <laughs> I didn't expect it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's very strange to me. But, and here's the weirdest saying, like, for the longest time, I didn't know that was Eric Bale. Like, when I really started looking more in-depth into, like, voice actors and the dubs and getting more critical um, and critiquing stuff, like, I didn't realize that Eric was Yuki. Because all I can remember Eric as is Sanji from One Piece, a character similar to that. So, when I, I remember when I read for the first time, this was years ago, I think it was a few years ago, actually, when I first rewatched the series, when I first rewatched the series for the first time in, like, years, and I was like, I forgot who plays Yuki, he plays Yuki, I'm like, no. <laughs> I had this, like, flash, I, I, I was like, I did a double take or something, I'm like, wait, wait, no, you're kidding. No, 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 wait, no, what, what, what? But, and it's interesting because looking at it now, because we've had characters like Shinna from Yona of the Dawn that kind of go back to that similar, quiet, soft-spoken kind of role that Eric has played before, and it's very interesting. I don't know if it's probably one of Eric's better roles. It's definitely one of his more memorable ones. And Mostly because it's probably still just the early days of Funimation and there are points where maybe some of the direction was a little bit wonky. But, um, I did enjoy, like, for full, for full watch again, I did enjoy the performance for what it is. It's not, it's not one of my favorites, but I did. It's dated. It is pretty dated, to be completely honest. It's dated, but I did do think it's serviceable and I did get enjoyment out of it. No, I could definitely tell that, um, like, like Lilac mentioned, this is, this was a voice actor still in the process of learning. And, um, I agree it is dated and there are certain points where it sounds really bad. However, when Yuki near the end has to show some emotion, it sounds really great. Um, yeah, I just feel like both, both Eric and, the actress who plays Toro, who we're going to get to, both went on to become huge, talented voice actors. Um, but this was sort of like their stepping stone learning. Pro- I don't want to call it a training wheels dub, but, um, but yeah, this was sort of like this was practice for them, if I, if I could put it that way. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I would say a handful of the early dubs from Funimations are by their own right, training wheels dubs for different reasons. Like, like it's a combination not just of, like, performances for actors, but also technical stuff, too. Mm -hmm. And, like, logistics and figuring out this whole dubbing process, you know? Right. So, I would would say First Basket is a training wheels dub, but for more reasons than just some performances. Mm -hmm. In a sense. You have to consider that this was, like... This was like one of the very, very first dubs they ever exactly. did. So exactly, yeah, it wasn't Dragon Ball. Yeah, yeah. I-, <laughs> I will say though, I definitely agree, especially in the like the last episode when he yells at 
Toru to say what she has to say to Kyo to get him to transform back. And again, that scene with Kagura in the dark room when she's going through the box of sewing supplies is really good. Um, I also think another really big highlight episode for him is actually the episode with Kisa. Okay, when he yeah. calls the letter about uh, believing in yourself bullshit. Yes. Yes. Because he's like, how can you believe in yourself if others won't believe in you? And just how much, like, I think, like, internal rage Yuki had at that moment. And how much he had to um, kind of himself gain courage to take that position. Um as student council president, but I, I really agree with that. And I really, really, again, hope if they remake the show, I, I think Yuki's, Eric's performance as Yuki would be better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with characters like Shinna under his belt, who doesn't talk a lot, yeah. um, but still has to be very expressive in his emotions. Um, so with that, we move on to the last character, Miss Toru Honda, who is a 16-year-old girl who lost her mother to a car accident. The precious cinnamon roll. In a tent. Impossibly cinnamon sweet cinnamon roll. Almost yes. to the like, point... She is too pure and good to the sinful... To the point to where it actually physically hurts because you've you're dealing with major diabetes and massive cavities. Yes. <laughs> yes. And yet somehow you still get your teeth shattered in the last two episodes when she's just sobbing. Yep. And anyway, and I think yeah. Um and this is I believe a first on this podcast. Oh my god, you might be talking right about this act. You might be right. And it might be one of the only times we talk about her unfortunately. And that is Toru Honda is played by Mrs. Laura Bailey, who has played characters like Maka Albarn in Soul Eater. She was Young Trunks in Dragon Ball Z, and she was also Dieter in Monster. <laughs> Dieter, oh. Yeah. Wait, I left that for you, you know that, right? <sighs> oh, Dieter. Oh, Dieter. So, um, and I believe this is one of her first roles. Mm -hmm. It would have to be, yeah. Um, I, 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 I love this performance. <laughs> A lot. I have a few issues with it. Like I said, it's the same sort of thing that because it was one of her first performances, she wasn't at a hundred percent just yet. Now she's this big time voice actress has done everything and everyone loves and respects her for good reason. Fucking Gwen Stacy. Yeah. But, um, it's just some of the shakiness in her voice. First of all, I like Toru, but she does kind of annoy me at times because she's almost way too perfect. Almost like a Pollyanna at times. Um, which is both, it's admirable, but it is kind of like, okay, you are an impossible person. You can't exist. And it's just, uh, I don't know. But I, I like this performance, but I do think it, it, um, it could have it could have been done a little bit better. I'm not faulting Laura for that. It's mainly because it is one of her first roles, and uh, if she were to reprise the role, I think she would absolutely perfectly nail it. Um, but, and I would say too that a lot of your problems with the character do get addressed in the manga mm -hmm. um, because she's more of a deconstruction of a breakdown of the Pollyanna character, like the perfect, sweet, nice girl. Mm -hmm. Because she does go through some shit 
Right. She does have to come up with some other things that happen. Yeah, I'm just, I remember back to Hero's episode and him just treating her like complete crap. And so many times she does get treated like crap and she just doesn't stand up for herself. And... I mean, it also doesn't help that uh, Toru's kind She does stand up for... She does stand up for Yuki, though, against Akito of all Yes. Right. Twice. Yes, mm-hmm. that is true. Um, she does tell Akito to fuck off at least twice, basically. Yeah. Right. But part of living with Toru is it doesn't help that she's uh, very naive and kind of a dunce. Right. Yeah. That doesn't pull in Toru's favor either. But yeah, that's, that's really all I have to say about it. It's just... It, it was a sign of things to come for Laura in, in this case. I would have to say so as well, because um, Laura, this is a very memorable performance for Laura, but yeah, it is one of her early ones in the whole anime dubbing thing. Sadly, she doesn't really do a lot of anime anymore, which is very depressing. She's mostly video games now, um, but I, I do enjoy the performance for, of Toro's for what it is. She gets the adorable the, the adorable bits of Toro. She gets the personality and the adorable bits of Toro down, um, including her very naive and dunce ways. Uh, like, god damn it. The scene, um, this, the first day of school in the new term, when her and Kyo are looking for Haru. Do you even know where they're called? Haru and Momiji are. And then... When Kyo is go, going to ask, see if he can get someone to find them for him, uh, Toro's just kind of spacing out off the side, and these guys on the side are just like, dude, that girl, she's kind of cute. How about she kind of seems like Aaron? Just mad Ted. And then Kyo just comes in, punches, just mad. punches the wall, and makes it look like he's her fucking boyfriend. And I think the little back and forth that Laura and Jerry have after that is basically like, you need to be more aware when you're by yourself. And she's like, right, she's all serious and stern. He's, she's, he's like, so it doesn't have to be all the time. Right, still stern. He's like, well, you can be an airhead when you're around me at least. And she's just relaxed. like, right. And he's like, oh my god! <laughs> like, the whole emotional switch for... I would say for her and for Jerry because the two of them in particular kind of have to switch, play a switch on their emotions a lot in this show. And both of them do a really good job at this, but yeah, I would say for Loris... I love this. <laughs> for Lor- I love when she screams. Yes, it's great. For Yeah, for Loris Toru, it's very memorable, but it is also rather early on. Um, in her voice acting career. So... You want to know another moment of her performance that made me laugh? What? Is when, um... Kagura transforms into a boar and she's just holding her and goes, I know what animal she is! She's the boar! Like, like, well, that's kind of... And then, like, it doesn't count now. (laughs) It doesn't count anymore, Toru. I, again, I love the shit of this performance. I... Laura Bailey, for the longest time, was my favorite voice actress. And I actually got to meet her a couple times before she became, like, super elusive. Ah, bitch! Mm. Um, whatever. She actually did sign my my fruits basket, my first volume of fruits basket I ever bought, um, which was one of the first manga I ever bought for myself too. Um, God, I don't want to go into final thoughts already crying. Um, 
But I love this performance a lot. I know it's not perfect. And I know it's not as polished as it could be. And if they remade this show in a heartbeat, I'd hope she'd come back. I feel like she would. Just because it's not, I feel like she, not because it's not like Trunks where it's going to destroy her vocal cords. And I know she came back as Maka for yeah. Soul Eater Not, which was like not even that good of a show. But she reprised the role and fuck Soul Eater Not. Maka's not Moe. Maka's not Moe. Not Moe. Hashtag Maka's not Moe. <laughs> my dog is Moe. That Maka is Moe. Oh my she God. smiles when she pants. It's the yeah, I, I feel like it wouldn't be that far of a stretch if they remade the show and they get Laura I would back. hope they did. I know the original manga author does not like what they did with the first part of her show. She was not a happy camper with that, actually. Yeah. Um, but I, I just enjoy how charming and sweet it is. And I know that the character is flawed because you don't get to see the full arc of her development. But I feel like she isn't perfect because in the last couple of episodes, she doesn't immediately just run to Kyo's side. She runs away and says that she can't do it. Um, and that mm-hmm. part really hurt. Yeah. And just, I really enjoy the show. And I think it's good to move on to our final thoughts. Though I have one question. Who do you think she got with? She got I with know. Kyo. She, I know she got with Kyo. She, yeah, she gets with Kyo. Mm-hmm. I know she And they have cute babies. Mm-hmm. Orange-headed um, babies. Yeah, I think they have a... Uh, there's actually a sequel manga called Fruits Basket Another that takes place with a lot of their kids. Okay. Um, mm. And let's just say Ayame's daughter is a spitting image of her fucking mom. Um, but moving on to final thoughts on the dub and the show as a whole. Hardy, do you want to go first? Yes, I will go first. And I have a very mm-hmm. controversial statement that some of you might think of me as a heartless monster. Oh boy, here we go. I know, I'm pretty much expecting you don't like this show. I did not cry. Not, I don't expect not you to. I, I did not cry at all. Uh, there were certain points to where I was emotionally affected, but it, I, it was not the massive tearjerker that everybody, at least in my case, that everybody made it out to be. Did I not enjoy the show? I, I liked it fine. You know, it was enjoyable. I probably a three and a half out of five stars for me, but maybe it's that's more offensive than anything. <laughs> <laughs> How dare but you? I will fly down. I will fly up to Memphis and fight you in a pit full of mud and goats. How dare yeah, you? it's just mainly because me coming into it at this very late point in time, sixteen years after its debut, and not having a history with it like you two did, uh, not watching it in high school. Um, I was already out of high school when this show came out. You were out of high school. Right. Yeah. And so I just don't have as much of an emotional connection to it. And looking back on it, I try to watch it for what it is, but I try to ignore the flaws, but I, it's hard for me to do so. Like, the dub is very, very stiff on a lot of occasions. Uh, the animation is not very good. Uh, the video quality on Funimation's streaming, when I was watching, it's standard definition. Now that they have the Blu-ray masters, they really need to update the streaming, I'm just saying. Um, I can get why so many people like it, because they grew up with it. But for me, it was just sort of an only an okay, ex- excuse me, sort of an okay experience um but yeah it's i didn't hate it i did enjoy it it's just 
I don't have as much of a connection to it. And that's the most controversial thing I can say about it is just it it, it was a thing that happened. Steph, you go because I'm going last. I'm probably gonna fucking cry. Oh yeah, you probably are gonna fucking cry. Um, yeah. Shut up. I'm already getting emotional. Oh god, hold it in, buddy. Hold it in. I'm crying. Just go. Yeah. So as someone who I don't necessarily have as much of an emotional attachment um, as Megan, but I do have an attachment like it, unlike Hardy does. Um, because again, this was one of those shows that was kind of my gateway into what anime actually is. And it's memorable to me to this day. To be fair, there are, like Hardy said, there are parts of the show that are rather dated. And honestly, if they were to remake the entire show, I would really love that. Especially now, since the story is complete. Basically give it um, a, the Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood kind of treatment, where they actually... Except for have Madhouse animated it and not Bones. <laughs> Pretty much. But, um, yeah, I mean, despite a few rather dated performances, I I still think the dub itself is rather outstanding. There, There's a, there's a reason why it's still so well known today, and it's just really one of those classic anime that you can just revisit again and again. Maybe not on a constant basis, and maybe not a massive marathon, because how I marathon it is I probably watch like five to six episodes, like every other night or something like that. Basically like a disc's worth or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, maybe not revisit like every single time, but um, it's good to come, I, I like coming back to it every few years or so, because I do still enjoy the show. Um, again, it's really such a great gateway for me getting into anime and with memorable, rather memorable performances like, like Jerry Jewel, like Kent Williams, like to, to, to their own extent, John Bergmeier, Laura Bailey, Eric Vale, things like that, where you have these no-named actors really gaining traction and now becoming more well-known and more popular now. It's, you, you just kind of can't really go wrong with it. It's really solid. And if that remake were to happen, I really hope that they get a good amount of the cast back as much as they could. Um, because I feel like there are a lot of performances and casting that just wouldn't be the same if they were recast. So I would say go watch the series haven't already and um definitely check out the english dub because if anything um this is probably one of those shows i would consider a classic and the dub as well despite some of its flaws um and i just think it's rather solid overall and i really enjoy it so yeah go watch go watch fruits basket if you haven't haven't yet it may not be everybody's cup of tea like in hardy's case um but you'll you'll get enjoyment out of it. So mm-hmm. I really don't want to cry again on this podcast. I honestly really don't. Okay. Um, Just take it easy. Just take it easy. I'm gonna try. This series means more than the world to me. Wait. God, I don't want to fucking disgusting cry. It's okay. It's okay. Just, Just take your time. Just take your time. Just breathe, okay? Yeah. 
When I discovered this show, I was in not a good place. Um, I was... I, I was on a path that I thought I wanted. I used to really... I, I grew up in Florida. If I'm originally from New York, but I grew up in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, which means at a very young age, I was um, separated from my distant relatives who I'm going to go see this this weekend on both my mother and my father's side and uh, especially in my mom's case my mom grew up in a very close-knit family in New York because if you've never lived in a city with a lot of um, metropolitan transit like New York essentially my mom's family used to see each other basically every other weekend when my, my grandmother, my nana was still alive they would just pop into my nana's house which used to be my home mm-hmm. With my mom and my dad and my grandmother. Um, so we moved to Florida when I was about four, and I was also separated from both of my older sisters. Um, it's not something I bring up a lot, but I am adopted. Um, my parents that I live with are my parents through and through. Um, I unfortunately only talked to one of my sisters, my sister Leah, who I hope doesn't see this and hear me crying because she'll be upset. Shh. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. But. Um, when I was in middle school, I, it was kind of awful. I didn't have a lot of close friends. I, um, I was stuck between two places and that was agriculture club or the FFA where I would raise rabbits and chickens and tractor driving and a parliamentary procedure and opening closing ceremonies. And at that point I would, I was taking art classes, my other, one of my other electives over the whole year. And in this class, we used to do, we would sit at other tables, and it was around this time, I think, um, back about, back at this time, I think, Kingdom Hearts 2 was going to come out. So I had this PlayStation 2 magazine, and I brought it to school one day to read. And the girl next to me, and her name is Carrie, saw it and started talking to me. And one of the first projects we did in class was we had to make a face out of beans. And I know this is a really long story and how's that to do anything with Fruits Basket, but the first thing she made was Edward Elric. Ah. Okay. And I asked her, what was that? And one of the other girls at my table had no idea what she wanted to do. So Carrie brought in this book and showed her a picture of an orange cat and said, you should do this one. And that orange cat was Kiyosoma. Mm -hmm. Um, And I asked her if I could borrow her book. And I did, and she told me there was a show for it, and I could sit and I could I could come over to her house and watch it and borrow mm-hmm. it. And that was the first time I had ever seen an anime. And I fell in love with it. I was 14 years old and very lonely and very sad. Um, a year later, Carrie and I would take a six-hour drive with my family up to my first anime convention. Mm. And from there, it's been a 10-year crazy ride ever since. Um, if it wasn't for this show, I don't think I would be here today. I, it changed my life, honestly, and I'm not just exaggerating because I'm crying. Or I'm that type of person. And I, I remember so many things about this series just talking to me. Because I could remember being bullied like Kiso, or I could always remember some of the anger I held towards my family for some of the situation that came with how I came to live here and 
I know that it's heavy for you guys who are listening that someone's crying and dropping their life story. But I've told, I've just, I wanted to do this episode because of how much this show meant to me. And honestly, the first time I remember, when I met Laura for the first time, I was still a dumb teenager. And I know she'll never hear this, but I met her and I was happy and I've met Travis and I've met so many of these amazing people. And the first time I went to Anime Boston and stuff was with me and I met Eric Bale, I just started crying because of how much it meant to me that I was actually in a room with all these years later after meeting you guys on D2 and I've told Ark and Paul how much I owe them <laughs> my friendship with not only them but with you guys and how not even a month ago that we had this unreal experience where I, I told Jerry thank you so much for, for doing this show even though hundreds and hundreds of people have probably told him that and that we actually got to like go down to Funimation just even if it was for like a couple of hours in CJ and Lauren and Cliff and everyone. And this show is who I have to thank for having 13 amazing other friends named Steph and Hardy and Amon and Roots and Jet and Andrew and Zenith and Lack and Sneebs and Gigi and Jamal and everybody else who's come on this show and and Noah, I and Noah and Noah <laughs> Noah would be so pissed no, if I forgot so him. I give him so much shit. <laughs> like I I love this show and I guess that's why when I was in high school I did pick that quote from Momiji. To be my senior quote, no matter how many people in my class thought it was weird that I was picking something from a country that they would never, ever be to or be into the shows that come from there or anything. And no matter how flawed the dub performances in this are, if it's old or if it's wooden, I can always come back to this show, even among... even among other things that have maybe taken more prominence in my heart. And it can just be there. And I don't care if I have to buy this series for a third time, a fourth time. It's something that means so much to me. And I don't know if anything will ever come as close. I mean, Bakudo kind of also has another place in my heart, but... I am not comfortable ever telling that story on recording, um, unfortunately. But I, I really honestly hope that if you've never seen the show, that you, you at least say you've watched it once just to experience it. And if you liked it enough, please go pick up the re-releases by Vin by Yen Press and read the story because it's fantastic and just, just. Just watch mm -hmm. it. And that's enough crying because I feel like I made Steph cry. Yeah, I was tearing up a little bit, I'll admit. Don't yeah. cry. I'm already crying. You don't need to cry. I'm not too. the heartless hussy you guys think I am. I, I, call, I called you shameless hussy, not heartless. Sorry, shameless hussy for driving off. Yes. Of 
okay, because when we were waiting at the airport before I boarded my flight back home, I was apparently dubbed the heartless hussy. <laughs> I I misheard. It was tired. I was tired. <sighs> Thanks. Mm -hmm. Appreciate that. Yeah. I have feelings too, guys. <laughs> I just don't show it as often as, as other people do, okay? <laughs> yeah. You got a heart of gold, but you also have a lead foot. <laughs> I live in Massachusetts and in near Boston, so sue me. <laughs> anyway, you become heartless when you go to Boston. Yeah. Oh, I'm not. I, 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 I am. Here's my kind of driving. I'm a safe driver, but my mouth <laughs> is the part that's the mass hole in me. <laughs> I will start cursing at other people. <laughs> oh, that's just where the mass hole comes in. Oh, yeah. Oh, try driving in Memphis. Everyone is literally out to kill you. Yeah. Like, if I'm, dri if I'm driving by myself, I don't give a fuck. I will speed and everything. <laughs> but if I have, if I have other... Comes, here comes Peter Racer. If, <laughs> if I have other people with me, I'll be the safe driver, because I don't want anyone to get hurt. Right. But it's my mouth. And my mom realized that the last time she came down is... She's like, you're a safe driver, but you talk like a masshole. I'm like, thanks, Mom. Appreciate that. Anyway, we're getting off track at this point. Right. All right, so um, I guess we talk about where to watch this now? Yeah. Oh, yes. Let's finish this up. So if you want to watch Fruits Basket, you can watch um, it on Funimation Now subscription service, which I believe is $5.99 mm -hmm. a month, unless it is... Uh, Unless you want the uh, free version with ads, free trial, but which you can bear with on the show, mm -hmm. uh, and then you can make sure to turn it off. Otherwise, you don't get uh, charged. Are your are your credit card? Otherwise, you I've cried. I've cried, so my brain is. Otherwise, you don't lose money. <laughs> yes. Otherwise, you don't lose money. But why would you want to? Why would you want to stop? Because the subscription service is awesome. And there's a new PS4 app. <laughs> um, like we said, there is a new 16th edition Blu-ray yes. release. Um. And there's also the DVD Blu-ray uh, collect uh, classics edition. Mm -hmm. Oh no, sorry, DVD only classics yeah. edition. This is the first. Uh, time actually, the DVD anime classics edition is officially out of print. Uh, really? As of oh. as of right now, the only legally way to own the series is on Blu-ray. Is the new edition okay? Yeah, because I have yes. I have um, both. I think it's a Blu-ray DVD combo. Pack. No, I, I think it's just Blu-ray. No, okay. I think it is uh, just Blu-ray because I have. Um, I recently bought the Sweet 16 limited edition version. You may not want to get rid of that classic yeah. edition now. Yeah. I, I, or if you do, wait until it goes up in price. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. I'm probably going to hang on to that before selling it. Because I do have the anime classic uh, I will never sell my copy because it's all right. Um, uh, but it, like I said, if you want to watch it, you can watch the dub in, I believe both the dub and sub is still on Crunchy uh, for uh, Funimation. Funimation. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, it has not my, the sub has not migrated to Crunchyroll. Uh, like I said, you can buy the manga from Yen Press, and the whole thing is out on 12 beautiful two-in-one editions, and they are the size of dictionaries. Oh, they are nice, big, classic edi They're called classic editions. Yeah. They're, are they... And they're about 16 bucks a piece. They are big. Big phone books? Big phone books, <laughs> yeah. size. So they're nice and big and easy get to read. Get them phone books. Mm -hmm. uh, get them phone yeah, books. But... I actually plan on buying all 12 of them. Very yeah, easy. like after rewatching the show, I'm very it's interested It's going to cost me like a hundred something bucks, but it's going to be fucking worth it. Yeah, I'm very interested in buying um, manga now. Only because of the story. Um, 
read the manga because there's a bunch of other characters that show up and honestly I would really like Aaron and Disney to play one of them. If they read um, the show, yes. But who the fuck are you two and where can we find you? Uh, I am Spaceman Hardy. You can find me on Twitter at Spaceman Hardy. I'm also a forum moderator over at the Funimation forums. I occasionally pop in over at the Funimation Discord as well. Uh, that's where you can find me. I do a lot of angry rants and and uh, retweet a lot of um, Final Fantasy and GOAT pictures, so yeah, check it out. You also retweet quite a bit of food porn while you're at it. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, my name is Stephanie. I am also known as Lilac to some people, mostly these two, because they've known me for a while. Yeah. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review with review being spelled R-E-B-U-E because I haven't figured out how to change the Twitter handle and make it actually go through and save, so I'm like, screw it, I'll keep it. <laughs> um, yeah, where you can basically follow my daily life and my complaints and shenanigans and and, and because I have to say this, Brenda, my stepmom, on the weird off chance, on the weird, weird off chance you ever listen to this episode, because she started following me on Twitter now. Oh no. I am so sorry for some of the things you'll probably end up seeing me tweet. Because <laughs> I am not a perfect little child. <laughs> though I think, I'm pretty sure you'll, th- 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 you're pretty sure you'll be okay with it though. So long as mm. I don't be too overboard. But yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I hope you're ready for the shit I usually tweet on a daily basis. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's where you can find me and catch all of my shenanigans. Uh, okay, so I am, uh, Megan... And I uh, can be found at Quinier2 on Twitter. Um, I'm also a moderator at the Funimation Discord, where you can hear me uh, tell people not to be dumb. Mm-hmm. Because they are dumb play, quite a bit over the... Play, and, play, and play nice with each other and deal yes. with some people's stupid mm-hmm. antics. Um, when I'm not crying, I'm usually shitposting. Um, and yeah, that's, that's it. And I'm so happy that we got this episode done mm-hmm. and... I also very much want to take a shower and go to bed. If you, hold on, um, if you want to catch any more, if you like the episode and you oh, yeah. want to catch anything else from us, of course. Yeah, subscribe to yes. us. Uh, subscribe to our channel, Dub Talk Podcast. Yes. We also have a Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, all that fun jazz, yep. uh, but mostly our Twitter and YouTube updates. Yep. On Wednesday, we have a lot of episodes that we're recording. I know, because I'm in every single one of the episodes <laughs> for the next five. You don't have, you have nobody but yourself to blame for that. Oh, I Just have quite a few real. I have to deal with, too, because, yeah. God, we're... You're in, you're in Gamers and Tsukigakure. Yes, and we're recording those the next couple weeks, and you're in those two as well as Centaur's Life. And then I'm, I'm in Centaur's and then, Life, I, and I'm... And then there's so many other I, things, because we have another Classics episode that I have to start working on, and then... Dear God, before some, before a certain, before a certain, uh, oh God, as Megan lovingly puts him as DJ Bitch Baby, uh, (laughs) comes to complain again and asking for ghosts. Hardy Hardy calls him DJ. I got that from Hardy. Well, I call him Gremlin Child now. (laughs) Gremlin Child. I love you, we love you, Bakugo. I mean, Cliff. I mean, Master. I mean, what? (laughs) No, before. King Explosion Murder. Before I. Before I hear from him again, like, when's Gosick? And you uh, too, gods, while I forgot you while I was crying. uh, uh, That's in the works. I have have too much stuff to do. 
a plan. Mm. I'm in a, I was in a planning mood the other day. I'm like, I gotta get all this stuff going. Let's go, guys. At, at least you, these. at least you dodged a bullet, and you're not in the reflection episode. You did that to yourself. I did. You did that to yourself. And yep. you originally wanted it to be the OG episode for the summer season. Ah, uh, this is but, a thing that is true. Yes. But you anyways. were so excited. Ah, my tailbone. Oh, As Megan dies on the sorry, quarter. no, my tailbone is very hurting from sitting down okay. And I'm still in a bra. And I get it. <laughs> Do you want to... Uh, As Megan is dying you want to, uh, In case you're dying, you want to go ahead and wrap the episode up? Yes. Yep. So, um, thank you all for listening to me crying. <laughs> um, and everybody crying, and maybe not Hardy because he's the heartless husband uh, yeah. tonight. Um, but, um, thank you so much for listening to this classic episode. I know it's not as long as, uh, ping pong, but yeah. Uh, so, good night, and we'll see you again soon. Bye, Otaku One, everybody. Keep it manly. <laughs> God damn it, do we really have to end this like it again? <laughs> oh. I was gonna sing the ending song, but I can't okay. sing, so. Well let's just sing I'll sexy just rat let, then. I'll just let Laura Bailey. No, do we're it. not singing the sexy rat again. No. <laughs> we're bringing sexy no. yeah. Alright. Da 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 let Laura Bailey take us out. Yeah. God damn it! <laughs>